This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 251, A Guide to Agendas. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. It feels like 2018. It feels like we're it, about to do a 2018 thing right now. Is that it what feels this, like 2018. How? Ha- what do you to mean? Have this kind of epi- to have an episode that's just like, let's read every component. Ha- here yeah. we go. Get ready to read all of the text. All on the cards. Some stuff. Yeah. Do you have your cards ready, Matt? I've got them at the ready. You They're have way them too at zoomed the ready. in, but it's okay. Yeah. Have you got to have the cards out because this is going to be one where we read components analyze kind of a hardcore episode (laughs) not messing around this is a new arc of the show episode one of our new arc back to basics back to school uh the training arc for me as i am going to be training up to be the winner Uh of scpt patreon tournament five wow coming to you in 2023 I will be the Revealing winner. It. He's playing. Yeah. He's playing now. I'm calling my shot right now. Yeah. Hunter's tired. Um, Hunter, you you have been really riding this line hard recently. That you are completely sick of watching this board game and you want to play it. You actually, it's time to play Twilight Imperium. Turns yeah. out. Yeah. Well, turns out uh, maybe <laughs> I am better at playing than I am at commentating. I would say. <laughs> I would say maybe I have more interest in playing the game than I do commentating on what other people are doing. Yeah. I, I love doing it, but when I do it, I'm, I do it as a service, okay, to you all. I do uh-huh. it as a big favor. Yeah, it's okay? the exact opposite for me. It's literally the opposite right. for me. Right, I want. I would much rather be commentating, and if I'm playing, it means someone's tied me to the chair. <laughs> well, see, I think this is the time for us to split. Yeah. In that, I don't think you should ever play again. Sure. I don't think you should play any games. Probably not. As your doctor? Yeah. (laughs) I would tell you, I would prescribe you a large dose of never gaming, okay? I would be like, listen, man, you gotta grow up. You've been trying to prescribe me this since, like, 2006. (laughs) Yeah. I I have been of the opinion. It's weird that so much of my life is talking games with you. Yeah. When honestly, my opinion of you from very early on in our friendship was this guy should not game. This guy should avoid gaming just in general. Needs to get into a Zen garden or something. I'm, I'm just saying we can have one of us is the playing guy yeah. and then the other guy is the commentator guy. Yeah. And I that's mean, a good My favorite thing to do is commentate games you are in. That's splendid. Do you really like that? Why? Yeah, it's really fun. I don't know because I've uh, because I've played with you enough at this point too that I it's like you're the only player out there that I have like some good like insight on what's going on in your head when you play. Mm. You know what I mean? I have to guess with other people, but with you it's like I've seen enough of your interactions to know, you know, yeah. how he's feeling. How he's really yeah. feeling. I think every I sport, every sport should have the player's spouse be the commentator of the game. <laughs> like we, you start watching basketball and you invite all the spouses on to talk That's about really what's going funny. on in in whoever's head. 
Yeah, that would be like a good sketch, I feel like. That's a great <laughs> idea, Matt. Somebody's got to write this down. Can somebody in the chat write down uh, what Matt just said there about uh, the spouses commentating? Um, let's get into We have some news. Okay, yeah. this is a very business part of the show. We are sure. in the semifinals right now. Okay, no time for joking around. Here's your sign. Okay, there you go. Did it. Um, so we have our first finalists. Semifinals game one is done. It has mm -hmm. happened. We will not spoil who won the game. You will have to go watch it. It will be up on the YouTube yep. as of, maybe it's already up. Maybe it will yeah. be tomorrow. I don't know. It's up this week. I'll tease you. Uh, I'll tease you the character, the vibe of the game, just to yeah, make you, just a, just a sampler, an amuse-bouche of what this game's got in store for yeah, yeah. you. There's a forever war. This one's known for its forever war, and you want to mm -hmm. see it, and we, we break it down. Boy, do me and Stads break it down. We talk about Ooh. a forever war for like six and a half hours. So if you want all of the intricacies of the most delicate forever war explained to you ad nauseum, and just mm -hmm. as if me and Stads are doing four episodes about forever wars, yeah, that's game one of the 2022 semifinals. That's very cool. I'm I'm set. You stole my stads from me, Matt. Mm -hmm. You stole I did. my stads. Yeah. Who is mine? Okay. I, I did. Well, I, I will not did get it to on purpose. He, he reached out to me and was like, I, "Like, what do you do? You have a commentator for this weekend?" I was like, "I actually don't. I have I have failed to do a lot of the work for the buildup of this first game of the semis." And he was like, "Well, I could do it." And it was like, "That never happens. Yeah. I never get stads. Ooh, well, a little yeah. treat." Ugh. Oh, my stats. Um, yeah. I will be, uh, speaking of commentating, uh, something I just sort of described not liking to do. Uh, <laughs> nonsense. I love it. I love my job, everybody. My job is the greatest job you can possibly imagine, and I am very happy with it. Um, semifinals game two and three are happening this weekend. They'll be streamed by me, both of them, okay? Uh, yep. Semifinals game two will be on Saturday, June 18th, at 1400 UTC slash 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Yep. And then Game 3 will be on Sunday, June 19th, starting at 9 o'clock UTC slash 5 a.m. Eastern Time. Yep. I will be joined by commentators. I don't know who they are exactly yet. I have some ideas. All right. <laughs> I think I've got Root for Game 2 for sure. So it's me and Root for Game 2, and then I think it'll be me and Jasper for Game 3, but Jasper hasn't gotten back to me yet. And then also... On Friday, I will be streaming a game of myself playing as Calaris. Mm -hmm. That will start at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or 1500 UTC, and that'll be on Friday, June 17th. Check it out. Yep, yep, yep. Also, before you watch Game 1, and then this weekend before you live watch Game 2 and 3, go find the Qualifier Report, and we'll have a link in the show. But that's, the, that's Stads' show about the qualifiers and then he decided to keep doing it for the prelims and he's presented an extra special treat so every year if you listen to last week's episode you know this is a thing but every year we do an episode called the road to the finals where we talk yeah. to the six finalists stads has gone the extra mile and he's gone through found all the games that have happened uh with the the players that are in this year's semifinals so for each game he's got a short episode i say short i think they're like 30 minutes per game or whatever but uh, uh he breaks down all of the players what we've seen from them and then some you know he, he went out and tried to interview all the players and tried to figure out uh you know what what they think about the game a little bit so the, it's not interviews with the players like in the episode itself, but Stads went and has basically done hours of research uh, to bring you sort of like a presentation of like, let you know the players before you watch their game. Yeah. So please go check out the Qualifier Report semifinals hype episodes. Episode uh, two will be games two and three 
uh, and released before those games happen this weekend. That's really awesome that Stads uh, was able to reach out to 36 different players and interview all of them. Yeah. Um, Congratulations to Stads. I love his work ethic. Um, we're both uh, really big fans over here at SCPT. Yeah. So yeah, love you, Stads. Yeah. Appreciate it's, what you it's do. It's the kind of content we did at one point and kind of like couldn't keep up with. And the fact that Stads is now doing it is like a huge benefit to the whole tournament experience, basically. So Somebody reached out to me um, recently via uh, a direct message. I'm not going to say who it was, although it was somebody that uh, makes Twilight Imperium themed music. So maybe you can figure that out. <laughs> and he said, and he's a very funny guy. Um, yeah. He said in his message... I don't know if you still read your own messages. I got the exact same message. And I, I almost, I don't, I, 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 I found it unbelievable. Yeah. Um, just so you know, there is no future where me and Matt are not reading our own messages. Yeah, I still okay? read every single YouTube comment, y'all, and that's yeah, many and Matt's doctors. Yeah, supposed to do that. I as, know, as many Matt's doctors doctor, have advised me. I have said to not read the YouTube comments, and he ignores it every time. I said, step one, stop gaming in general. Step two, no YouTube comments for you. No, Definitely no YouTube comments after dark, and he yeah. reads them mostly after dark. Okay, before bed, you know the worst thing he's is? ingesting. Them. I have yeah, this horrible what? habit of picking up my phone first thing in the morning and checking all of my notifications right away. Oh! So if I start every day with Discord DMs, Discord messages, emails, no. which include the emails that have the YouTube comment. It's boy, if you wonder why I'm so angry all the time, it's because I start my day with a punch in the face. You you meditate on the things that make you angry. You know what I mean? You are you are zoning in. You know how I start my morning? Mm-hmm. I lazily roll out of bed, mm-hmm. okay? I maybe take a shower, maybe I don't. No, I don't even know, always. And then I watch an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. That's where I start. Yeah. I start my day with, with a nice, with a cozy, warm, uh, m- a lot of times moral lesson, okay? Yeah. From Patrick Stewart and his friends, okay, his, his subordinates, I should call them. Uh, subordinates, make sure it's clear. Yeah, I, I mean, he makes sure to make sure that it's clear, yeah. that they are not friends. I love that. I love that Star Trek The Next Generation is a show where the main character is not really buddies yeah. with any of the other characters. Like, can you imagine The Office... But, like, Michael Scott just works there and is like, listen, y'all, we need to really, like, focus uh-huh. on, like, what we're doing here. You know what I mean? That's I what wish, Star Trek The Next Generation Not to is. get into our other podcast, but I wish that's how Mass Effect was a little that bit ain't. more. But it's nah, certainly that not. Hey, should we do a Space Cats, Peace Turtles episode? We should. It's about 10 minutes in. We should actually get okay. into the meat of today's episode. Thank you for indulging us. I love you. Uh, it's agenda time. Boy, howdy. So, okay, here's the reality is. Uh, we've done an agendas episode before, a hundred thousand yes. years ago, and it doesn't. It's whatever. It probably doesn't hold any water anymore. We've even done a prophecy of kings sort of agenda update. We read the handful, right. the small number of new agendas, yeah. but that's yeah. obviously just like a little tiny sampler platter of like right. how the context around all the agendas has changed. So now we have like all these new thoughts. We have also have all these new abilities that relate to agendas, and we haven't really taken them as a cohesive whole in a long time. So it is time for the full update. This is the guide 
two agendas. This is, yeah. uh, we're putting a stake in the ground and saying this feels like what we can definitely say about agendas on June 13th, 2022. Uh, th this is where we're at with agendas. Next year, who knows, we'll do another one. Uh, but let's let's kick things off. We're going to like do, we're going to front load this one with some yeah. analysis and then we're going to yeah. go through and literally just read every single agenda kind of as fast as we can or whatever. Right, and give you a light amount of analysis, but we want to start with analyzing the entire agenda phase and yeah. agenda deck. We're going to yeah. give you some basic pointers and then we're going to get deep in the weeds. Yeah. So the first thing to just note if you're if you've got your POK copy and something I don't know that maybe is easy to overlook. I've certainly seen comments online that people don't do this, but there are basically a bunch of agendas that got folded into Prophecy of Kings. They were reinterpreted as exploration related things or yeah. a couple, I mean I guess they're all they're pre pretty much all exploration related now except for one is just a literal upgrade like an Omega version of it. So things like core mining DMZ, Holy Planet of Ix, uh, got reinterpreted. Representative government got reinterpreted. But then Research Team Biotic, Cybernetic Propulsion, Warfare, all of those are just exploration attachments. Uh, the Shard of the Throne became a new thing. The Crown of Amphidia became a relic. The Crown of Thanos became a relic. All of these things are just folded into new decks. So we're not going to go over any of the old agendas that are thrown out today. But a reminder, yeah. if you're listening to this and you've just got your copy of POK, go check that list of all the agendas you should... Uh, throw out you can just throw them in your old box or whatever i don't know how people organize their stuff but bury it underneath the insert or something because you do not need them and the game is better without them honestly yeah uh, so yeah so let's talk about the phase itself the agenda phase mm -hmm. um uh, we're starting with some really basic stuff but we are going to have some analysis in here as well so the agenda phase obviously unlocks after a player takes the custodian's token and then will occur after the status phase in each round. It's actually right. the last thing that happens in each round, right. in spite of what the overlay for our tournament games I know. displays. Often now, that, that's, that's just a reality of how the overlay works. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. But oftentimes that throws people off and people tend to forget the agenda, the agenda phase is the last thing that happens right. in every in round. The, in the qualifiers and prelims, if you're watching a game that's going to tiebreaker, we end with an agenda phase because that is the official end of round four or five or whatever. The, we, we make sure we get through all of an agenda phase before we go to tiebreakers because that, yes. is, that is its proper timing. Yeah. So because the agenda phase is triggered by taking the custodian's token, we have to think about, okay, generally... When is the custodian's token taken? Yeah. Now, most of the time, that is going to be round two. However, I'm I'm estimating based off purely anecdotal stuff and just watching as much TI as I have that about 25% or maybe 20% of the time uh, it occurs in round one. Right. Um. So therefore, if the average game ends in round five and, and agendas start in round two, that means you see about six agendas per game. Now, C is an interesting word I've chosen there, right? What I mean is, all six players right. play have to vote on right. about six agendas. Right. But but more than that is being seen because of the politics card, right? Which it generally is going to get taken every single round of the game, um, except for possibly the last one. However, the last one is probably going to end in the status phase, so we're not going to see those agendas anyways. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. So whoever has that card obviously gets to look at two agendas and then choose, you know, whether they go on top, whether they go on bottom, which kind of changes the math of this. Obviously, the more important agendas generally get selected if, you know, if the player is inclined to do so. Yeah. Um, if the player is not inclined to do so, which I would say is if the player is ahead massively, right. they're just going to want it to be nothing burgers, right? right? 
Yeah, it's it's generally better for most players for the agendas to be put on top to be useless things that aren't going to upset the board game state because the only players who need the board game state upset are those that don't really have any sort of path to victory and they need everything to be shaken and everything to be changed right. you know that's when so and so is just going to win because they're on mechatol and they have speaker and they'll get imperial and they'll do it but if we can ix the an artifact them off then that's right the ch- and so the person there doesn't want that there's there's a number of agendas and we're going to kind of break these down into some categories in a bit uh but yeah, there's there's game changers that a couple players are avoiding and the rest are maybe trying to push up there. I I would say there's generally a couple people that are just like indifferent because they're maybe in the middle of the pack and it'll can be completely circumstantial of whether or not they want to see really crazy stuff go through or not. Yeah, I mean, I think generally if we're talking about a win from ahead, yeah. the number one thing we want to avoid are agendas that negatively target the faction that we're playing, yep. which are, it's a handful of cases. There's some factions I feel like that aren't generally targeted by any specific right. agendas. Your game state might be affected, but your faction maybe not. Right. Um, and if we're ahead, um, as in we have uh, an extra point or a tempo point, um, and we're, uh, we have the most points, or we have uh, maybe we're tied for the most points, but we have custodians as opposed to just having public objectives and secret objectives, then what we really don't want to see are the objectives, or sorry, the agendas that provide more points right. or more tempo. Right. Uh, the easy examples being something like Seed of an Empire or yeah. Mutiny. These are just these are just making the game shorter. Right. And if we're ahead, we don't want that. If we're behind, maybe we, we want that. Probably do. Yeah. Maybe can, we want to equalize the field a little bit. Can I just say, Stads and I and Twitch Chat sort of maybe developed a, finally a new replacement term for Guac that I would like. Hun- <gasps> yes, I would like please. Hunter's seal of approval of. I liked this suggestion a lot. And it's 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 very simple, which is probably what it needs to be. Just bonus point. Yeah, bonus point. Yeah, we we can do away with guac. It's been fun, everyone. It's been a yeah. lot of fun. Oh having my god, guac Matt, I'm out. <laughs> but my, uh, my respect tempo for point, you is coming I could, back. I know. I feel it returning. <laughs> I I could not get on board with tempo point because I try to use tempo to describe this other concept that bonus points relate to, but bonus mm-hmm. points are non public objectives non-secret objectives and non-individual support for the throne for a support for the throne swap where we kind of both give it that gets you nine points ish generally and so we need a tenth point that tenth point comes from usually bonus points bonus points are the custodians holding imperial while you do mechatol and then a lot of agendas and other things that we're going to talk about today so we're going to talk a lot about bonus points which is why i wanted to sort of get that new idea out there and maybe we can circulate it bonus point is our new 10th point term i like it it's simple uh it it, i think it communicates the point i i don't want to be petty but i for me personally i feel like support for the throne is a bonus point but that i but that's not we should not have the discussion right now i just want to say that maybe that there's a little bit yeah yeah there's a little bit still uh on to figure out there um so let's talk about um the deck in general yeah. Um, and analyze it a little bit. We'll talk about um, abilities that are relevant to the agenda phase. Um, but what I want to do is analyze how often is the agenda phase actually important, i.e., right. how, many, how many times should we expect right. an important agenda to come out and actually change the game? Right. Yeah, there are 50 cards in our modern agenda deck, the POK update and everything like that. And so then we have a couple different categories of different 
versions of important agendas. And then there's all the yeah. agendas we know just aren't important. And then we're going to kind of make a case for them separately. But let's start with kind of our first category of agenda, which yeah. we're calling the targeted agendas. And there's yeah. about six of these. Ten percent of these cards are targeted. So, Hunter, what does it mean for an agenda to be targeted? I think it means basically a main agenda that yeah. we can count on having basically the same effect every time. These are not guaranteed 100%. Nothing nothing really that we're going to talk about today. What's tricky about agendas is they they're the players are going to get to vote on them. Yeah. So, most agendas, even very harmful ones, can be neutralized in some way or at least there if there's two bad options, we can take the less bad one. But some of them you find as you play the game, the players generally make the same choices because yeah. if an agenda is only bad for one player, we now have five players with votes that are like, uh, let's just do that because it only hurts them. Right. And them is not me, so let's do it. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? It's, it's kind better. of a, a simple thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so examples of this would be like the against of wormhole reconstruction right. for Ghost of Creus. Um, this is the thing that you see happen to ghosts. I've seen it happen plenty of times. Uh, it happened in a semifinals and cost someone uh, a route to victory, most likely. It was Patience, actually, that it cost uh, his route to victory. Mm -hmm. um, or I believe it was Wormhole Reconstruction. There's actually two uh, pretty bad Wormhole ones for ghosts. One of them is, I would say, not always bad. Uh, and But Wormhole, the against of Wormhole Reconstruction is almost always bad because what it most of the time requires ghosts to do is lock down their home system. Um, basically, you have to lock down any system right. that has ships in a system with a wormhole. And it right. does not say alpha or beta. It's just wormholes in general. So it includes the delta, which is, of course, the ghost home system. And their now, flagship how, if it's on the board. <laughs> and their flagship. If, if their flagship is anywhere, that's getting locked down. Yeah. So how often is that going to come up? Uh, well, anytime ghost is in, there's right. pro they're probably going to have ships in their home system, meaning this is probably the outcome that people are going to select, I feel like. Now, yeah. you know, there's going to be a bunch of unknown stuff with any of these. Um, another example would be economic equality and basically any rich faction. So any yeah. faction with a lot of trade goods is probably not going to enjoy economic equality. What's great is I don't even have to go deep into that. The four is everybody has goes down to five trade goods. The against is everybody goes down to no trade goods. Right. The only exception here is Mentac, who loves economic equality yeah. unless it goes against, I guess, because they don't get anything. Right. Right, and and I you'll often see the against happen just because everyone's like, well, we can't let Mentac get away with right. just complete highway robbery. This one has definitely changed for POK, too. I think it's notable to bring it up in terms of, like, in base games, this just felt like a nuke dropping. But nowadays, you can still get a lot of trade goods in a lot of different ways, which means some of the richest factions can just recover from this. Like, nowadays... That's true. Like, Hakan used to really hate this, I would say, and nowadays it's like... Hakan is just kind of burning through their trade goods anyways, and then their hero doesn't need them. So this one has reshaped a little bit, but there are still those like half-rich factions that this is extra annoying for. Ones that sort of had to expend extra effort. I, I think of something like Asarl, who's been drawing hot cards to like play all those mining initiatives and things to earn a bunch of trade goods, and then all those get burned. Like That's annoying. That's a one-way street for their sure. accrual yeah, yeah. of trade goods. And there's a few other factions that fall in that category where it's like, I don't just constantly, although Asarl's in the funny category of if Hakan is there, then they're a part of this little just trade good generating machine yeah, and true. they could care less. But uh, outside of that context, like I think there are some factions that really, really care about this and there's others that's like, well, actually they might just make their money back anyways and they're willing to 
to do whatever. So that it's it's, true. it's, it's become a weird one. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. However, I will um, add a little extra thing, thing and say that uh, depending on timing, we might throw out that completely. Uh, if if this is the round four agenda phase, right. we're going into round five and there's a spendy that needs to be scored. Economic equality isn't going to make anyone right. happy, including the factions that can make a lot of money in a single round. For sure. We've um, also got uh, arms reduction, which is the one where you kill a bunch of uh, dreadnoughts and cruisers. And obviously yeah. the dreadnought side of that is there are there's L1 and Barony. And that's like kind of their whole thing is all right. the dreadnoughts they want to put on the board. Uh, this call, You can also lump Hakan into this if their hero is popped. Like Hakan, very often their hero is build as many dreadnoughts as you can fit. And if this right. comes up the round after that, you know, the agenda phase after the round they just built them, that can be like a huge blow to the entire thing Hakan just spent their whole hero doing or whatever. Right. Um, the against of enforced travel ban, um, which is destroy PDS units that are adjacent to wormholes, mm -hmm. um, is bad for obviously Titans. Uh, it would be bad for Argent. It would be bad for a Jolnar that had heavily invested in PDS. Uh, this one, obviously, the game state needs to be set up a certain way for it to be miserable, but I have seen it consistently be a difficult uh, agenda. Now, yeah. the exceptions of this can be sometimes this hurts too many people and then they don't go for it. Right. But uh, generally speaking, this will hurt one person more than everyone else, so they'll be like, yeah, let's hurt them. Yeah. Uh, public execution is a huge one, uh, yeah. especially because Isarl is usually just like this beautiful target because uh, they'll right. just, it's the only thing to slow down that horrible thing that Isarl does because so many other action card related things don't actually even end up affecting Isarl because Isarl, you can't limit, there's, there's one that limits the hand of the action cards, but that one doesn't work on Isarl. Isarl's ability overrides that, but public execution, we can just throw out your whole hand right now. Right. Um, so that's pretty big, a, a special consideration for Asarl. And then obviously whoever has the speaker token right, it's is probably relevant. the second most likely to get hit by that one um, because public execution pushes the speaker token down to the left. Um, and then there's a lot others that the, the thing about analyzing the agenda deck is yeah. that there's a lot of nebulous like, oh, this one's a nothing burger now. But then combined with this specific right. uh, game state and these action cards, it can become a big burger. Right. Not much a nothing burger can become, uh, I don't know, a kind of a mega turkey burger. Sounds <laughs> tasty the, to me. The mega turkey burger, huh? The mega turkey burger it can become. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and say, we're going to throw out some numbers, okay? Yeah. We're just going to make up numbers today. It's one of the fun things. I'm going to say that around 10% of the cards in the deck basically kind of make up this. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's around 10%. It's approximate. Uh, I think there's some that can like potentially shift into this mm -hmm. uh, kind of dimension, but like I, it's almost like I'm trying to say 10% of the time in a game. Exactly. You should expect something. It's not like exactly 10% of the total number of cards, but you can expect it to. Uh, you can expect a targeted agenda to come up. And and these values are also in thinking about the idea that like these are especially with these. These are the ones that a lot of people will put on top. The yeah. faction themselves has to see this one when they pull politics and be like, "Ooh, yikes! Oh boy, let's get rid of yeah. that." All five other players are like. Oh, Ghost is at the table, and I just drew Wormhole Reconstruction. Tippity top. Let's do it. All right. Spin right. that wheel. Like, of course we want to go for it. So I think these targeted ones are even more likely to come out on average than this next category, which is the points. Now, I don't know. Points, everybody's got, especially nowadays with the, the, the boat floating is in, I feel like, full force these days. I do think these come out plenty often, but it's it's less of a provoking thing. So what are the points? Well, it's obvious. I, I'm I'm actually, I, I want to dig more into this point that you're making because, Matt, to me, these are kind of the same, right? Yeah. Like a targeted one, 
uh, there's generally going to be one player that's going to get hit the worst, and yeah. then the other five are going to be in favor of it. So that means if, if any of those five players play play politics, they're going to see these two agendas, and they're going to be like, I'm, I'm keeping these up top. Right. To me, it feels like the same story with the points. Generally, there's going to be one player with the bonus points. Yeah. And if they see one of these, maybe they bottom it. But yeah. if any of the other players see it, they probably put it on top, right? Like, I mean, I feel like that's what makes the most sense, right? I, I, I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna split it into two for that specific point uh, okay. because there's because half of these are like a sort of group point thing where we can sort of do a lot with, and half of them are like you get the points. And I, if I'm thinking about what I'm gonna do with those in a game, sometimes I'm nervous aware that's gonna maybe end up. I don't know. I don't know. You're you're. I think you're probably more right than anything. I'm, but I I get I'm so nervous guy. in general. Yeah, I believe in entanglement. Uh, yeah. in Twilight Imperium. I believe it exists in the same way that it exists in Root. So if there's one player that is ahead, then I feel like if I can get their neighbor ahead as well, right. that seems like a situation where two players are going to be inclined to win slay. Right. That seems like two people that are going to be in this game in round five. And I think that's it's better for 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 most of the table yeah. if everyone is kind of invested in that final round so that the yes. win slaying can be ultimately enabled. Yeah, you never want start somebody... giving up. Yeah. Yeah. You never Go want ahead. somebody you... completely out because that's the person who will R wise their <laughs> support will for the throw throne to someone as say, a tenth I have point. no reason to yeah. care. Exactly. And, the, and and if and every player has a neighbor. Yeah. Every player has a neighbor who they should be thinking about wind slaying in round five. Right. And I want every player to be thinking about that. Right. So that in round five it can be as close to a level playing field as possible. So no matter where I am in speaker order, I might have a shot. Right. That's my current philosophy. So let's let's talk about our points then. You've got your group points. There's mutiny, which is basically everyone who votes for when it goes for gets it. And against if everybody everybody who votes for, if it goes against, loses a point. Nowadays, right. the against is pretty rare. You almost yeah. never see people vote to go down in points. Uh it would have to literally be like I don't even know, because even in the situation where it's like, oh, Soul's at eight and we're all at four, well, it would be better for all of us to get up to five than to get... As, here, here's what it comes down to, actually. Mutiny is where the bonus point idea is at its most central. It is yeah. not worth it for me to bring one person who's having a killer game down a point, because they probably already have a bonus point or even two in some situations if someone really has a lead. But all of us can have a chance at victory if all of us get a bonus point, right? That's true. If, the, if, if all of us just need to score on tempo, which is just scoring like a public objective every single round, the only thing that's going to hold us back and lock us out at nine is if we don't have a bonus point and mutiny is just a guaranteed bonus point. So it's almost never worth it to go against here and this speeds up the game dramatically. The only the only risk here is that who at which, whichever of the players is ahead, and there's generally always one, yeah. uh, is now going to get to start thinking about a round four victory depending right. on the game state. That is the only worry I see with Mutiny. Otherwise, yeah, I, I feel like it's almost a design flaw yeah. in that there's a custodian's point, which is always going to give one player a little bit of a bump, right? Yeah, right? And then if Mutiny comes out, which it can only come out after custodians has been taken, right? right. So somebody is in that game state. Yeah. And if Mutiny comes out, I feel like there's no reason for the other five players to look at that and be like, well, let's all just deny ourselves a point uh, because, you know, tempo-wise, on round five, we want to be able to score five stage ones, three secrets, and then we have two bonus points, and that gets us there, right? Right. right. Um, now, yeah, like I said, the only risk really is uh, is round four. And honestly, everything we said, 
everything we just said is also kind of true of this next one we're going to talk about, which is Seed of an Empire, yeah. which is four. Player with the most victory points goes up one point. Against, player with the least victory points goes up one point. Right. So um, this one, uh, in in the most recent semis game, game one, Stads and I, I think, decided this is the the second best agenda. The first, the best agenda of the deck is Ixthian Artifact. B big nuke, sure. go boom. But this yeah, is the yeah. second best agenda in the entire game because especially if it comes out early enough, it forces a lot of decisions people were hoping to hold off on, which is yes. namely support for the throne. Because the thing you can do with Seed of an Empire, especially because you're probably going to go against, because the last thing anybody wants to do is give the person in the lead an even bigger lead. That's, right. that's generally not going to be a favorable outcome. Who needs to give so-and-so two more, you know, two bonus points? But what you can do is everybody in last place can... Uh, give each other support for the thrones to put themselves into second to last place, which is now last place, and just tie everyone up. We, we th This is how it works almost every time. Let's say there's two people on two and two people on three points. Right. And then the other two are uh, ahead of that. The two people on two can just do a quick support swap, set themselves at three points before we vote, and now four of us are at three points and can vote for the least victory points to gain a victory point. And so now plenty of us now have this like reason to go for it, right? We can all get a bonus point out of it. So Seed totally. of the Empire is always, is less about how do we vote and more about how do we work out the support for the throne math and who's giving their support for the throne to who so that we can make sure as many of us get our bonus point as is necessary. Yeah, humorously, I really love it when all the players just get on the exact same point total for yeah. Seed of an Empire, <laughs> and then it doesn't matter which way you vote, huh? Yeah, um, yeah. That's always kind of the most hilarious to me. If, if everybody can get on three, then it doesn't matter yeah. if we go for it, or against. Now, Seed of an it? Empire is less of an agenda and more of an event that happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I, I mean, it, it's, it's like mutiny, but... Uh, I feel like there's a little more thought put into it these days. Yeah. Mutiny, I feel like, has that flaw of... I, I will say this. We we failed to mention the, um, the number one like beginner thing to remind everyone about Mutiny is it's always in the deck. Yep. It always come out. So you always need to save at least one right. vote for the second agenda in any given agenda phase the, because it could be Mutiny and right. you might miss out on a point. And the, thing that, the thing that I've noted too recently, I've seen it in a couple games, is pretty experienced players get that so and so drilled into their head of like save one behind because you're going to need your vote for mutiny mutiny is the only agenda where that's like properly the case like that it's the only one so mutiny can come out and then you'll still see people in later agenda phases still saving that <laughs> yeah that that uh vote and it's like you don't actually yeah. need to do that anymore we've done the one that is the thing you're really afraid of saving that vote for you don't need to vote for anything else yeah 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 makes makes sense uh so the um, next group point is incentive program this is where the four reveals a stage one public objective and the against reveals a stage two public objective this one i still feel like we've never come to like a meta standard on yeah. i always lean the stage two because the stage one here's the thing about the incentive program is it's not a bonus point it still yeah. is a public objective that you have to score in the status phase, which means it exists within that tempo sphere, that idea that I'm just scoring one per status phase. So ostensibly to score my five stage ones I need to win will end the game in round five. Incentive program just gives you more options to what you can score, but it does not speed up your scoring. Whereas revealing a stage too early does speed up scoring. It actually gives you the ability to win faster. Yeah, it depends on if I think I'm going to get a hold of Imperial at all, yeah. uh, how I feel about this one. So it's very hard for me to say something in the abstract as far as which one I think is better. 
Um, if I'm having a bad game, if my speaker order is bad, I'm probably stage two all the way, just hoping that it's going to be something easily done that I can then use to catch up uh, to the other players. Um, and if it's something easy for me, it's probably going to be easy for everybody else, right? right but right. I, I, at that point, it's like if I'm in a losing situation, I probably don't care. If I'm in a winning situation, I'm probably going to lean stage one. Yeah. But again, like uh, how many stage one? I mean, I guess six stage ones plus three secret or secret objectives. All I need is one bonus point and then I'm at 10, right? Yeah. But again, it's also going to be true for everybody else. Right. So it kind of, it, it very much depends on what objectives are out. If there's a dead stage one, on the table for me like yeah. if it's three tech spec and there's no way right. i'm getting it i'm probably gonna want to go, go for i agree yeah, yeah totally yeah there, there there are a couple of stage ones that certain board positions or even certain factions are just like i need to see this i think winu is a faction that should firmly be in the stage one department because they're horrible they're, yeah, at stage yeah. twos and there are a couple of stage ones that they can very firmly get locked out of and win whose whole game is made or broken on whether or not they can do their hero as an imperial swing you know that, that that's that situation where you're talking about if it depends on if i can get imperial well win who's guaranteed imperial once so <laughs> they really like the stage one <laughs> yeah yeah um the other thing though i mean even in that situation i could i could mind palace the idea that oh, well, what if this game's going really bad for Winu and they want the stage two structure stuff to come out? If that comes out, then they have a shot. You know what I mean? We've, yeah. we've always got the Reclaimer. Um, and then they just start going for that because that's what makes sense for them, I guess. Right. Um, it's all kind of a gambler's delight type uh, agenda. And it depends on, I think, your um, your board state and also how well you are you are doing compared to the other players. So yeah. I would say, honestly, my, my rule of thumb that I said earlier, I think makes a little bit of sense, although there's going to be exceptions of just like, if you're ahead, maybe keep it stage one. If you're behind, a stage two is maybe a fun roll of the dice. But a stage one, I feel like, is always going to be useful for somebody. Right, you know? definitely. Yeah, uh, next up is classified document leaks, which is where you elect a scored secret. This one is that really complex one where, just to get the basics of it, the scored secret is no longer a scored secret for that player, which means they can at some point draw a new secret to score a new secret. So technically what you've opened up is you've turned that into a bonus point for that player. Right. But for everybody else, it is not a bonus point because it counts as a public objective. You have made it a public objective, which means it's just now, unless of course you elect an action phase secret objective, which is and then very rare. That's it's the most fun thing that can happen, but there's always enough people at the table where it's like, that's too dangerous to have just floating out there. Make an example as a public objective. What a terrifying venture or like, you know, uh, uh, spark a rebellion as a public objective. What a wild game you would have. I'm honestly surprised it doesn't happen often, mm -hmm. you know, because it feels like in a game where one player is doing better than the others, or we all have our eyes on this one person, that it might be worth it to just like up the up the tempo. Yeah. Because an action phase means not only, I mean, is there a new objective out there? It's like, we're scoring it right away, buddy. Yeah. We're yeah. getting it scored as soon as we can. <laughs> and then we're going to get to score another secret, you know, in the status phase, or maybe even another action phase right. secret in the action phase. Yeah. But I feel like tempo wise, obviously the action phasers are good, but yeah, it just feels like when it comes up in especially tournament games, we don't generally see the real good stuff. We see kind yeah. of the, the bad secret yeah. objectives. And it's, um, it usually becomes a status phaser, which is then again, just kind of on tempo. It's not really a yeah. thing that's very, and this is also the one that you have to be very careful because veto, the action card that gets, or not veto, excuse me, uh, repeal law, 
the action card that yep. removes a law from play. This is a law, which means you can turn this secret off, this this public yep. objective. You can turn it off. So you will sometimes see people make that really fun play of they have it, they get it passed on the thing, they can score right away, they do it right away, and then and turn then it off before it. anybody yep. else. I think that's the most common time you see the action phases voted for is when one person is like, I can do this action phase before anybody else can, and then I will make it to where nobody else can even do it. And so then that's like a really cheap form of a bonus point. Yeah, never forget about repeal law. Um, okay, next one that uh, provides points is called search warrant. Um, this is an elect player. Yep. The way this works is they draw two secret objectives right away, which is obviously brilliant. Huge. Um, we get to see two more, um, and then they have to play the rest of the game with their secret objectives um, face up. Yep. So everyone can see what their secret objectives are. I feel like most of the time when someone gets elected for this, they end up having secret objectives that are scorable, and just because we know makes no difference. Yep. Well, hey, if Big Al Cappuccino has taught me anything, you can just play with your secrets face up all yep. game long, and right. as well as long as you're a di diplomatic player, here's the reality of secret objectives. Most of us are trying to cooperate with each other to both score our secrets anyways or when an action phase comes up it's always unavoidable anyways i mean how often is it just like oh you went into that anomaly and now's my time to strike so i'm gonna do it it's not like we had to play against there's too many secrets these days is the whole thing so we're not we're almost never playing against them and that meta has taken over so much that you can literally play with your secrets face up and probably people will still let you get away with stuff because really all we're keeping an eye on is your bonus points anyways we're all assuming right. you can score all of your secrets so totally the fact that we know exactly what they are rarely comes up it's only in situations where it's like you know something like a ships and six systems that's gonna be very annoying because people could totally. pretty easily, easily step in yeah. your way in that but most of the secrets are gonna be things where it's like ah, i gotta go so far out of my way just to block that secret and it's just one of their secrets what do i care so yeah i love search warrant I mean, the fact that you're going to draw two means that you're just going to cycle out the one that's going to be annoying, and there's right. not enough in the deck that are right. annoying. And even if you end up with one face-up that's annoying, depending on where we are in the game, you're going right. to get to replace it with something. You right. know what I mean? Definitely. Um, also, real quick, just, just a note, because this comes up a lot. When the player who has search warrant, when they draw a secret objective, when it's in their hand and they're looking at it and they haven't decided if they're going to keep it or not, it is not revealed, correct? I don't... <laughs> I've always oh. played where you we slap them face-up immediately. I've always played See, that that happens right away. That's something that I wanted answered. Okay, we took some time here. In reality, we took an entire day to figure out a proper answer to this, and there was great discussion had between the minds that be, and the answer we received after I think much it's funny the way you just characterized that, Matt, because <laughs> you're a liar, and you just no, lied to the there audience. there are minds. No, I'm here's talking what about, happened. I'm no, talking about the minds just... on TI4 Online Discord. I'm not talking about... There was there was immediate agreement amongst the I just don't like milking. it when you lie to the audience. I'm not and you lying! Just did, and I just caught you. I am the honesty cops uh -huh. on this show, okay. okay? And you just did a lie. Okay. What happened was this. The people that do not decide the rules mm -hmm. had their own theories that they made up out of nowhere people do this constantly okay and then me and you matt we don't always know okay yeah. and sometimes me and you also do that bad thing that the that the audience does too where we start making up well what sounds good to us okay and then we consulted with the council uh -huh. that decides these things okay and they've been deciding these things or eons. I don't know. Well, for three years, which might as well be eons. Okay, it's a long time they've been doing this. Turns out 
They'd already answered this question, and they've been impeccably consistent. Yeah, yeah, through yeah. the entire now, now run. Now, Dane of the game. himself has not, you know, slapped the 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 answer in stone. But Milty and Spade. Dane, Dane is second to Milty yes. when it comes to the rules uh, that of which have already been written. Right. Dane gets to Dane creates the law. Milty <laughs> interprets the law. Okay. <laughs> Dane right. is Congress. Milty is the Supreme Court. <laughs> so the idea here to this search warrant agenda is the second it is starting to be resolved as a settled thing, you've elected the player, that player's secrets immediately are revealed. They are now face up. And if yep. you had three secrets and you are going to draw two more, bringing yourself up to five, and then you need to discard back down to three... All of that is done face up for the table. You now always play with all of your secret objectives face up, no matter how they exist within your uh, hand. If they are sort right. of temporarily in your hand, doesn't matter. They will go up face up on the table and people will see what you've discarded back into the deck and everything. It's really, it's really the simplest version of this rule. If you think your secrets should be face up because you have this, they are face up. They're right. always face up. That's Everything's it. visible with you. It's, Always. It's, it's as simple as it can be. And just right. why don't we do that more often? Just let right. it be the simple one, the simple yes. version of the thing. <laughs> let it be, we say. Um, so, yeah, sorry. That was a little that was a little tangent, but that seemed like something that was worth covering because I've seen it messed up many, many times. In fact, I have messed it up right. because well, I'm a little messy boy. At the end of the day, boy. it's not like it's a critical it's not the most important thing. Matt, in the world, we have to play the game absolutely perfect every single time. What are you You're talking right. about? Yeah. Uh, so then the other stuff we've got is actually not agendas, but there are other points that come up in the agenda phase. There's, of course, the secrets that I'm always terrified of. Drive the well, debate. Well, hold up. Hold up. Oh, we, we skipped Archive Secret, oh, I which sure is did. an elect player, and they Sorry. draw a secret objective. That's all we have to say That's about all. that one. Yep, Pretty you cool. get one secret, and it's always great when you get it, and whatever. Everybody's always Oh, also, we didn't it. talk about political censure. So political I censure, you, ele you just skipped. I don't know. What are you doing today? <laughs> so that's another one where it's an elect player. Yeah. They get a point, and then they cannot play action cards anymore. Oh, boo-hoo. A lot of the times, multiple players have bad action cards in their hands. Yeah. Um, it's This is a great one to put on a Sorrel, because obviously it d disables their action card advantage, but also, also you give them a point. Yep. But I don't know. That's kind of tough to figure out, although I think an Asarl without action, action cards yeah. is uh, basically not going to win no matter what. I will say I mean, this. They can, if they have their stuff online, they can still Magion, Biostim's action cards out of other... They can just take action cards out of rotation. So there's still some element of a Sorrel existing in a very strange way. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think the point is usually worth it for most people. This one also is noteworthy because in base game, we had this whole very complicated thing with multiple victory point agendas that can be repealed and then what do you do with that victory point luckily political censure is the only one left and it is written on the card that if you lose the agenda you lose the point which means political censure is also this kind of soft bonus point whereas yep. the mutiny yep. and the seed and even the classified document links those are those are hard coded if you've done it you've done it and you you keep that point but you can lose political censure so you right you kind of want to find a sabotage in your hand uh if you get it because the last thing you want is for someone to repeal that and it's definitely the one you'll repeal if you get repeal law yeah um there's also like 
I don't know. It, I mean, there's also that type of play where you just think about repeal law for the rest of the game, yeah. and then it never comes out because nobody right. ever draws it. There's also for that. Sure. That's kind there's, of a fun that way happens, to play. Uh, a lot. Shout out to Brian, <laughs> <Actually>. baby. <laughs> okay, so now let's get to what I was skipping way ahead to. Uh, Non-agenda points that are in the agenda phase. There's the two secret objectives that we got in POK. Drive the debate, which is to uh, get yourself voted for. Yeah. And to then be dictate policy is to have three laws in play. I am a crazy paranoid freak about dictate policy. I just never want even two laws in play. I don't want the threat of laws being oh my in God. play. And I will go to horrifying uh, stakes to make sure that it doesn't happen. And there's well, not that much. Well, don't do that. I, you don't, shouldn't. I, you shouldn't. If I don't give you play advice like me. at all, don't do that. Don't play like that. You don't have to play like that. Yeah. But I would say generally, yeah, you should keep in mind that there's i this is how i do it this is like kind of the non-crazy way i feel like of doing it it's just like if the nothing burger comes out i have a a, a plus two point in yeah. my head towards just doing whatever doesn't put any new laws in play right. that's just and, and that's just a plus two that can be overcome by any sort of incentive yeah you know what i mean like it, it dictate policy is just one of the secret objectives in the deck and it's scored in a weird time. Any agenda phase stuff is scored at a weird time to where you could just get draw it at the wrong time and then it's like dead. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Not only is dictate policy something to where you have to get three laws in play, you also have to draw it before round five. Yeah. If you draw it in the action phase of round five, it is useless. You are you. Uh, I mean, unless by some... By the grace of some god, yeah. you make it to round six. You are not scoring that. Doesn't right. really matter. Well, and, so. and I think the reason I play so crazy against it is because I'm trying to exert control over the times where I can exert control. And by that, I mean kind of what Hunter's talking about. A law that's a for and against only stays in play if we vote for. A law that is an elect player, that's mm -hmm. just happening, which means there's very often laws that we cannot avoid putting into play. So for me, if I can avoid putting into play, I feel like I should try to do that. Obviously, there's some laws where the against is just horrifying and we just got to let it go. But yeah, if it's right. kind of if, if it's even on the fence, I'm going to go against because I don't need to just hand points out for free. I don't want to just let someone score that that uh, secret with no not a big deal. This, of course, gets very my, my philosophy here gets very complicated for me when I have that secret object in my hand, and suddenly I'm totally right. cool with the four happening. It's a horrible bluff that I've denied myself or whatever, but I don't I, know. I, I want to say something about tempo in general when it comes to blocking other players. I have like a little hierarchy of how how point blockage I feel like should work, and it's bonus points at the top. I would like yeah. to block those if at all possible, Definitely. and then secret objectives, and then public objectives. What's ironic about that is public objectives are easier generally to stop yeah. than secret objectives. So a lot of times public objectives are what we're gonna focus on. But as far as what I would like to block, yeah. I would kind of generally put it in that order. Yeah. Um, um, to talk about drive the debate real quick too, uh, very briefly is just, this is that one where if it's a nothing burger elect player and someone's pushing really hard for it, like, come on, let's let's keep an eye out for that kind of a thing. That one feels even more like, why are we just letting someone score drive the debate? Especially because not only are they usually getting probably something that is good for them, like a minister that's even maybe remotely good, but then they're also scoring a point off of it. You know, minister of commerce is like a bunch of every, extra trade goods per round and a point that is like a lot to give someone. So the thing you often do with drive the debate is look for that player with no secrets in hand or whatever, or like someone you know their secrets already or whatever, and you vote for them kind of arbitrarily just to dodge someone else scoring the point. 
Yeah, I mean that's in in a in a in a vacuum. That's sure how I would like to play it. Most of the time, play some most players are going to have secret objectives. So again, I would give like a little a little plus two in my head, but a plus two is easily overridden. Yeah, for I sure. Just in, in, any basically any and all any incentive at all will will make me go backwards on that. Um, just because it's like I don't know. Given it, it, it depends on who I'm giving it up to too. In general, I don't want to elect the player in the lead. To be anything, right. no matter what. Right. If they're doing well, I exactly. don't want them elected. Right. Um, if I end up giving up, drive the debate to a player in last place that's like four points behind everybody else, who cares? I don't yeah. care. Yeah. I don't care at all. Uh, and then our last one here is Imperial Rider. Obviously, Imperial Rider generally is like, well, we can probably sabotage it or we can dodge it. But then you also get those weird agendas where it's like vote on a, a, a law and there's only one law in play. And then suddenly Imperial Rider just like gets to happen. And now it's just a point on the board. And I don't yeah. know what you do about it. But that Imperial Rider is definitely the most complicated action card in the action card deck, I would say, for, for all the various things that can happen when it hits the table. I, I think Imperial Rider has become the most sabotageable card in the deck. Like, we used to have this thing where, like, oh, Rise of the Messiah is probably a lot of power for someone to get. Maybe we'll sabotage it. I haven't seen Rise of the Messiah sabotaged in forever, but, like, anybody holding on to a sabotage will probably just throw it straight onto the board for an Imperial Rider in a lot of situations because it's, it's just always a bonus point, and you very rarely want to see that go through except for, like, Hunter said in the situations where it's, you know, the, the player in last. But for me, Imperial Rider is different because drive the debate and dictate policy are one of your three secret objectives. So there's there's right. a hard limit on what that means. But Imperial Rider is a bonus point. So that's that top of the totally. line, top tier, need to block that. Top so, tier, need to block. Uh, um, sabotaging Imperial Riders is uh, generally perceived as a good thing. Yeah. The other thing, though, that makes that complicated is it depends on, am, am I the player in the lead with a sabotage? I don't know if I sabotage an Imperial Rider all the time. Um, I, I don't know. Just depends. Uh, it's it, That's a very hard question to answer in a vacuum. Uh, but of course, I think in a neutral space, I would say, yeah, you should probably sabotage Imperial Rider. All right, now we're going to get into our last uh, kind of grouping mm. of agendas. Um, these I'm calling are agendas that drastically change the board state. And the word we're going to argue about is drastic. Yeah. Okay, and I'm sorry to have included a word like drastic. <laughs> there are agendas that listeners are going to say, no, that is drastic. What I think I'm going for here are agendas that are always a drastic change yeah. of the board state. Not, well, under these specific conditions, mm -hmm. they are. No, pretty much always this has to go off and change the kind of balance of the game. Like, here's an example. Here's, here's our first example. Let's just get right into our yeah. first agenda so you know what I'm talking about. Checks and balances is the number one yeah. with a bullet right. example of the type of agenda I'm talking about. Obviously, I hate this agenda very, very much. Uh, if you don't remember exactly how this one reads, it is... Four, when a player chooses a strategy card during the strategy phase, they give that strategy card to another player who does not have one, or a player who does not have two in a three- or four-player game, if able. And then the against is each player readies only three of their planets at the end of the agenda phase. The against, obviously, is not a drastic change of the board state, but it's that four sure. that we are yep. talking about. Yep. Uh, a lot of these work this way yeah. where One not side both of sides of it i mean honestly there's almost no agendas where both sides of it if it's a for and against that is yeah um are drastic changes to the board uh state so yeah if checks and balances goes for i would call that pretty drastic and yeah. i would call that a huge upset of you know whatever the story of this game has been thus far now it has changed to this much worse yeah less good story slower 
uh, yeah, just terrible way for the game to go. Another one is, of Dumber. course, yeah. the best one, uh, the, if checks and balances is the worst agenda, and it is, uh, Ixtian Artifact is the best and has right. the chance of the bomb going off. And even when the bomb doesn't go off, first off, Ixtian Artifact almost never goes against anyways. But then when it goes four, sometimes it can be two tech. And two tech can be a pretty big game changer sometimes. But really, uh, really, really what we're talking about is the Very, is the very big game yeah. changer. Always, right. actually. I would say get, giving two tech to every single player yeah. is a huge shift compared to you know, a game where your tech tempo is like, you know, oh, I got to research three tech this game. Right. Cool. Right. You know, add two to that, and that's quite a bit more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Per, per, um, from a percentage from, yeah, per capita, that's a lot of tech, basically. Per uh, capita, that's a lot of tech, is my <laughs> point. Um, and then the other possible outcome of that is it it kills everything on Mechatol Rex and a bunch of things surrounding it. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that is a, that's a board game state yep. uh, change if I've ever seen one ever in me life. Right. Uh, the other one that's a huge deal is Imperial Arbiter. This is the one where you can, it's essentially Quantum Data Hub node, where at the end of the strategy phase, whoever holds Imperial, or uh, yeah, Imperial Arbiter gets to take whatever strategy card they want from somebody else. Yep. They swap the yep. one that they took. And so this becomes a whole nightmare scenario where so-and-so is now in contention for the win when they otherwise wouldn't have been or whatever. It basically grants a player... Um, first in speaker order on the final round, right? Basically, right. yeah. Um, and so you you end up doing a lot of things to work around that within the, the strategy phase. Uh, also the four of wormhole reconstruction we've sort of added to this uh this category. That's where we open up all of the wormholes. Essentially, we turn everybody into the ghosts of Creus uh, in terms of how they interact with the alpha and beta wormholes. They can go through anything, and on a lot of maps, this completely opens up a lot of new opportunities for people to score control objectives. It gives people right. new access for wind slaying. It's a big board state uh meta thing that happens. Right, and we already talked about the against of wormhole reconstruction for the targeted agendas case. Yeah. So I would say because the four is pretty crazy and because the against is pretty crazy that it definitely belongs in the drastically changes the board state um, right. like section, essentially. Right. Um, also, the four of wormhole research is the uh, Ixthian artifact of wormholes, basically. It kills things in alphas and betas, and then those people get to research tech, both of which are pretty cataclysmic things to have happen, I would say. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, so we get a lot of ships off of the board, and then also we get a lot of tech out of tempo. So yeah, that's it's it very much changes the speed of the game mm -hmm. and can potentially uh, drastically alter the shape of the yeah. of the game going into the final round or something like that. Um, Public Execution is one. It's an elect player where the player discards all of their action cards. We talked about this with um, Isarl, but it is also a huge game changer board state thing because if you vote for the speaker, you move the speaker to the left, which is almost always an advantageous thing because it's moving it forward. Everyone gets one better in speaker order pretty much. So it's like right. there are right. five people that want that. It's always very hard to vote for someone that isn't the speaker Unless, like, the speaker would be going to, you know, someone even worse who's, like, very much in line. You know, it's like, oh, well, actually, we don't want to give it to them because th then they the next person just gets Imperial or whatever. But usually, the speaker's a pretty big target, and this is, like, a big game changer. Especially, I mean, it's like, it feels like public execution comes out very often, like, agenda phase round four, and we've reshaped <laughs> round five entirely because this is happening to us. Yeah. Um, and then basically we could lump in any potential, uh, especially for or against 
agenda if a politics writer is yeah. played. If the speaker token suddenly shifts, then that, I would say, is a drastic change of the board game state. Um, so, yeah, so... so <laughs> You know, we've got a, a few here. They're not they're not both ways on all of them. I would say it's really checks and balances. Um, and then Imperial Arbiter and Public Execution are the only things that have to go a certain yeah. way that really changes the board state. Um, but then we've got some, you know, potential stuff. Ixthian's always going to go for because, come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, it's it's and, funny how Ixthian and checks and balances are like the exact opposite, where it's like checks and balances is awful and you should never let the, the four happen. And Ixthian right. artifact is exactly the opposite of that, where it's like you are so lame if you don't let the four happen. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So, um, but yeah, p uh, politics writer can can be played and change uh, change anything up at any point. So I estimate around five percent of the time you're going to run into a an agenda of this quality. Which yeah. altogether, we we don't even have any more sections to talk about. The like altogether, my point here is that roughly twenty five percent of the deck yeah. is actually super relevant. Right. Um, 75% of it, not to say that the other 75% is never relevant, sure. although some of them are, and we'll, we'll get to those whenever we go through the deck. Um, and we'll mention that they're never relevant. Um, <laughs> but, but I would say maybe about 50% are conditionally relevant, right. you know, like in, in a certain situation, they can be a big deal. Um, but then, yeah, then you have that other 25% that, that really almost never, ever matter. Right. Right. But. Before we get into analyzing every single deck in the or card in the deck, um, let's talk about any relevant action cards or special abilities that apply specifically to the agenda phase. Yep. Because these are things that are always going to be true or always at least possible in every single game. So they're almost, I would say, more important than the agendas. Yes. If only 25% of the agenda deck is always super relevant to the game, right. then these abilities are probably always important right somewhat yeah they, they they can be the thing that turn an irrelevant agenda into something that is relevant because abilities are procking and things are happening regardless of what the outcome is the best example of that being the eight writers politics and imperial we've already talked about but there's all the other writers too and we've all been there where you get a boring for and against but then suddenly there's like three things on four and two things on against and now the agenda right. is about that it's about all of these new economies being introduced yep. into the game and it has no longer anything to do with whether or not we're letting people go through nebulas right that's just yeah. not how we care about it anymore right right that's that's not as important i would say the, the writers are interesting because i think the values on them are like not tweaked in any kind of even way whatsoever <laughs> like leadership grants you three yeah. command tokens that's really insane trade only gets you five trade goods right I'll take the command tokens, please. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Warfare gives you just one measly dreadnought, <laughs> whereas diplomacy lets you lock down a system for an entire round. Yeah. It's even better. The diplomacy rider is better than the primary of diplomacy in the late game. Yeah. Because in the late game, you do not play diplomacy most of the time based off its economic advantage. You ignore the economic part right. of diplomacy. Because yeah. if you're winning and you have diplomacy, you just want to lock down a system. Well, well and it's worth noting too. Writer says, diplomacy writer is is does not include the caveat of Mechatol too that the, that no, the diplomacy card does. So it's quite literally better in in addition to all the things Hunter's saying of like, hey, it's happening before anything else can even take place. Yeah, 
um construction is whatever i mean sometimes it's important but most of the, i hate how it's it's just a space dock yeah. it's specifically a space dock i wish it was a space dock or a pds whatever mm. not the biggest deal uh the tech rider is perfect and honestly is kind of the example i feel like they all should follow where they're mm. just kind of like you know a a in miniature uh like working out of what the primary of yeah that card is you know like for me I would have said the lead just to put my game designer hat on and just insult everyone who worked on the game. For me, the leadership writer would have been like two tokens, or or I can spend influence for up to three tokens, right? Or something like that. You get right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 something, something like, oh, it's like the normal way, but a little bit worse. Right. It should be softer. Um, yeah. 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 So uh, next up, so we can burn through a lot of these. Sanction is sort of like writers, but doesn't actually like get you anything. It's 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 actually just a threat. So very often writers can be used as like, a, actually, I know you aren't going to let me get away with this leadership writer. Sanction is that, but uh, very specifically, I don't want this outcome. So I want you to be hurt if you let this outcome happen, basically. Right, right. Um, yeah, so that takes away one from the fleet pool whenever someone votes um, that whatever way that you have sh uh, sanctioned. Yeah. Um, there's the promissory note political secrets um these kind of i feel like wax and wane in their popularity yeah. as far as like i it, there was this period in late base game talk where we would talk about political secret as if like oh you know you really should never give it up because yeah. it is going to be you know it, it is going to come back to haunt you but now there's so many abilities in the game that force people to have to give away promissory notes that right. like now i feel like the tune has changed where like now this is actually something that many times you will have to give another player right. because I'm not going to give them my ceasefire, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like you've got your alliance, and then in the late game, you have your trade agreement, and then political uh, secret, I feel like, comes up. Yeah. Um, but honestly, in the early game, I would maybe, if I've already given out my alliance and my support my my support is not on the table, uh, like as in, like, this isn't some sort of negotiation into a support swap, which people still do for some reason when yeah. diplomatic pressure gets played, Yeah. Um, I feel like I would, would feel just kind of okay giving out my political secret. I wouldn't be happy about it, but I, I could see it happen. Yeah. Um, another one to talk about is political favor, which is the extra um, faction promissory note, yeah. which basically just allows you to use quash, um, except for it's, you know, you're you're not spending from your own. Extra is spending from their strategy allocation to essentially veto yeah. this upcoming agenda. Right. Um, yeah, you got there's quash. also quash, which is the same thing. Right, and veto the action card, which is also the same thing, except for it doesn't cost a token. But yeah, all three of those just ways to burn through an agenda. We've all we've all seen that. I think the jury is still out on whether or not political favor is a thing we like to give away. I always see arguments for it, and I never really understand them. But quash has certainly changed now because extra doesn't have that hero anymore that they're right. like just saving all of their tokens for. Like I think quash just got a boost in relevancy again because. Now it's kind of only useful during the agenda phase, so they might actually use it more often rather than saving those tokens for the the dig yeah for, for the points. for the hero roulette yeah. Um, I was gonna ask Matt what my problem with political favor is how much it does it cost because if you use mm -hmm. it extra has to spend a token right, which means we're starting at three trade goods, which to, in order for extra to just break even right, uh, in my opinion right. So like it's four minimum right which feels like a lot yeah it's to too spend much. on I just mean, the chance an agenda comes out that i don't like exactly you know? when, when i can save that money and pay extra three bucks the moment it actually comes up that's my whole i don't thing know is, well i mean even in that situation sure. i don't i if i'm extra you're three paying you're paying me three bucks minimum but yeah. you got to give me other stuff too in order to make it worth right. it i don't, don't want to pay for the chance that something might not even come up i want to wait and just pay for the quash itself so yeah, yeah. So 
yeah, political favor, I feel like, has never quite made complete sense to me, but yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, um, future future sight, sight is yeah. Nomad's ability that is often forgotten right there at the end of an agenda. Like, we kind of get things things happen so fast that Nomad very often forgets. Uh, Nomad's whole thing is they'll very uh, often just throw in a vote so that they can get a trade good off of it, even if, like, kind of we as a table had agreed on one outcome, and it's like, all right, let's all abstain. Nomad has this sort of annoying obligation to toss a vote in, because it gets them something. Right, right. Um, we've got to, to technically talk about genetic recombination. I don't think we really do. <laughs> so it's a Mahawk faction uh, tech. It lets them tell someone else to vote. I've never one seen vote, that in my one life. Way. What are you talking about? That's not I don't real. think I've ever, yeah, I've never seen someone do it. Uh, we talked about diplomatic pressure a little bit. That is the action card that someone plays as a, it's it's a when an agenda is revealed yeah. uh, card now, which I kind of wish there were like none of those. I wish there was all yeah. after. I, I, yeah, I, whatever. I like to talk about diplomatic pressure in the same way that we uh, are not actually really including ancient burial sites on this list, which is like, I don't know why diplomatic pressure is specifically an agenda face timing. It really does. It actually has nothing to do B besides the fact that you could end up giving a political secret that then somebody could immediately use. There's no other reason for diplomatic pressure to specifically exist in the agenda. Yeah. Phase. So to me, it's just this like it, it's a timing that comes up all the time, but it's not actually purposefully impacting the agenda phase. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I'm not not sure I completely understand it either. I mean, it's what it's. It's, uh, I don't think it's, I've ever seen it net anyone anything except for they turn it into a negotiate into a support yeah, swap. Right. That's so, I mean, it's like you can happen. You can try and play this card as well as you want, but still in the end, you're not going to be able to steal something very, very good out of somebody's hand. They're yeah. going to find a way to uh, make sure that does not happen. Right. Um, the next thing to talk about is another faction promissory note it is the Calaris Rider, um, which is just kind of a nice little. What, what I can't figure out is how much it's worth. Yeah. Um, we're kind of in the middle of thinking about Calaris a lot right now. Um, so it's hard to for me to say too much analysis on this one. If anything, actually, I'm going to I'm actually going to just kick it down the can. We'll be talking about Calaris Rider yeah. in a future episode right. uh, coming we'll, up. Very we'll, soon. we'll have a price for that someday. Uh, predictive yeah, yeah. intelligence is the one tech require one yellow tech requirement. Yellow tech. That is everybody's favorite thing. They never use until the moment it changes their whole game for them or whatever. Right, now, the right. game-changing part of it is actually like an action phase thing, but it does always give you, what is it, three extra votes during the agenda phase? That's minorly relevant. It can be a well, bigger but, deal. And you have to risk it, right? Yeah. Like, you have to risk exhausting it if you lose. So yeah. that 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 part makes it a little bit strange. But yeah, yeah so generally speaking, it's going to give you three extra votes, but you're not, you're not going to research it for those three extra votes right. at all. It's just right. a little extra thing to have. Um, the, there's the extra commander, uh, which is very good. It gives you plus one vote per for each planet that mm -hmm. you're spending, which uh, is very hard to... It makes the extra vote total counter in really ETS very, very confusing. And people look at it and they're like, wait, I don't, how many votes do I have? I think do I have the right Playground does it right these days, though. Yep. It, it knows how to count it. And, and obviously lump in the extra alliance there and extra and their alliance partner can always sort of just steamroll agendas from that yep. point forward the two of them yep. get so many bonus votes that they do whatever they want and add to that extra's new hero is like doubling a lot of planets values because it's when you use planets you you get the value of both the resources and influence so extra by the late game their influence count is i mean through the roof and like nobody can contest how many votes that they have basically yeah it's honestly like made i think well, I mean, I, I'm just calling a shot here, but I actually feel like Quash 
is just going to go by the wayside in general. Yeah. Because what is extra care mm -hmm. if they just get to decide all the agendas anyways? If they're basically outvoting like four other players, right? Like then why would they even quash anything? I mean, unless they want to fish for a specific agenda, which seems like just a weird thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not really sure why you would ever quash because you're just like I'm not scared of this. This is going to happen. However, I want it to mm -hmm. almost all the time. Yeah, there's also the new Calaris extra hero that is sort of its own thing that I think is going to be another situation where it's like, I don't know how much we can evaluate it yet. Uh, we, we sort of yeah. have to put that on ice until we do some Calaris episodes. Yeah, there's the Hakan commander, which allows Hakan to spend trade goods in order to, uh, it's like for each trade good they spend, they get two votes. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Hakan use this. Yeah, I I've think seen... it's underrated. I do. Um, bribery yeah. is not very good, right? Bribery is like not is one trade good per vote, and that's usually not a make or break thing. Right. But like Hakan in the right game can have just an absolute ton of trade goods, and I'm not saying you should use this like every agenda phase, but I'm surprised we don't see Hakan use it like once per game for like an impactful agenda. Like Hakan could definitely just like steal an Imperial Arbiter given the right situation, and I and I think they're never willing to spend the trade goods because we're still in that mindset of base game where it's like ah you always got to save your trade goods but i don't i think new hakan doesn't need to save their trade goods and i think I, you can get away with burning those i think the way i've seen this utilized a lot of the time is not because hakan is using it but because the other players figure oh well it we can't outvote hakan because mm -hmm. here how here's how many votes they could potentially have right. and they don't force hakan to spend trade goods that's true They'll just kind of be like, all right, well, I'll just fold and wait for the next agenda or or whatever, or I'll just meaninglessly throw my votes away. But it's not like it's not enough to actually force Hakan to, to put the trade goods down. I would love to force Hakan to put the trade goods down. Yeah. That's that, that's a personal goal of mine. Force Hakan <laughs> to use their commander in order to, I don't know, avoid something. I'm not even really sure what you can avoid, because the problem is that the only agenda that specifically targets Hakan really is economic equality, and the for or the against are both pretty bad yeah. for Hakan. So well, it does not really make a difference. Yeah, because it's also worth noting I mentioned bribery. Um, Hakan's timing is when Hakan votes, and bribery is specifically after the speaker after vote. So speaker. bribery is useful in that way of like, yeah, it's it's not nearly as efficient, but you actually can steal a vote at the last second with yeah. it. Whereas yeah. Hakan is like, you see exactly what they're going for. Yeah, it's pretty cool in that way. Um, another old school one to talk about is Distinguished Counselor, which just gives you plus five votes whenever you vote. This yep. one, I feel like I never even see people play this so much anymore, but right. whatever, it's there. It, it can make a difference every once in a while. People think about it a lot more than it's used, yeah. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Uh, assassinate Representatives is, of course, kind of in that... It's in the writer timing window, and it's the, like the forgotten writer, because it's not a writer, but it is that after an agenda is revealed, you kick someone out of it. Um, and that can be, of course, incredibly useful for mutiny. I love just saving and assassinate representatives for as long as possible, the same reason right. I save one vote. Uh, but then even outside of that, sometimes you just got to get extra. Or no, you can't use it on extra these days. Oofa doofa, man. Right. It's yep. just ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, uh, using using assassinate representatives on like a meager agenda never feels a big deal. So many of these action cards feel this way, which is just that like agenda phase stuff, it's hard for the little abilities to like really stick their head in there. You know, it's always about yeah. the big abilities and the little ones are just, I mean, how many times are we spending action cards just to get them out of our hand. I've seen more people use right. Distinguished Counselors just to use it this time than to actually use it to, like, swing a vote or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, because you can only have seven action cards, huh? Yeah. So, like, at, at a certain point, you know, if something like 
assassinate representatives or distinguished counselor, which could be useful right. in a specific situation. Right. If you're like in round three and you're like, I don't know if that situation's coming up and these are just taking up a slot, mm -hmm. basically, then yeah, you end up burning them. Yeah. Um, next one is, I would say, a much bigger deal. It's Definitely. Deadly Plot, which essentially cancels the agenda, but at the end point of yeah. it, after it's already been decided, um, it is worth noting you all, in order to use Deadly Plot, you have to vote on the losing side or right. predict on the losing side. That is, you can't Deadly Plot something that you voted for, mm -hmm. which is something people try to do pretty frequently. Yeah. Deadly Plot is the one where uh, we've talked recently about a few like things, like like there's the new Nalu commander thing where it's like, hey, let's all just do this uh, in a normal way. And we'll talk about Nalu commander yeah. in a second. But Deadly Plot is the one where I'm getting to the point where it's like, can we stop being sneaky with Deadly Plot? Like, can we just save... A lot like I get that if it's the first agenda, you maybe want people to burn some votes before you do the second one. But I I, I wish for a day where the person with deadly plot can just be like, listen, y'all, this is not a good agenda and I am going to deadly plot it. So just like one person vote for, I'll vote against and let's speed this up. I wish that happened yeah, but more often. Matt, but Matt, well, I want to trick people into spending more yeah. votes. Oh boy. You know what I mean? That'll get I want to trick people into spending That'll more votes. That'll show them. But what if it's a first agenda, Matt? Uh, Come on. You're like actively telling people to play bad, yeah, basically. I sure am. You're just saying, hey, play bad because I want this game to be over. Well, Matt, you don't even have to play anymore, okay? <laughs> you aren't, you, and I don't want to see you playing this game ever again, for the record. I want you watching and I want you getting getting good sleep mm -hmm. at night. That's all <laughs> I want. Sleep. Uh, so I want you getting good sleep at night, and I want you not playing this game, Matt. No playing Twilight <laughs> Thank you, Imperium. Doc. Thanks, Doc. Ever uh, again. We got the legal texts coming up. Uh, confusing legal texts is the old one that is obviously uh, in base game was almost unusable. Uh, they added a few more mean agendas. The thing with confusing legal texts is it a way of if you get voted, you can push it onto somebody else, but there's not that many mean agendas. And nowadays, even the ones that are mean are like have a caveat right like like we talked about search warrant and political censure it's like those can feel mean but they're pretty good benefits too so it's like still very rare to get an agenda that you want to get off somebody else and we even I, we see even less arguments of like but you can sell giving it to someone else because it's like no, but i want the up. point like that, that doesn't no, no, happen no. quit bringing up but confounding was the answer to what actually happens in agenda phases and confounding is the opposite confounding is actually quite a, a, a good and mean action card because there are those agendas like imperial arbiter that confounding legal text just gets to steal and that's a right. big deal yeah, yeah. So you play it on an elect player uh, agenda when you're not elected, and instead you're the elected one, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it, it does require specifically elect player uh, cards to come out. I don't know how many there are in the deck. There's not that many. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say there's 10%. 10%? We love these numbers. I've been numbers. saying 10% a lot. Today. Uh, I think they're about 10% elect player. Is uh, that right? I, it, it might be right. That's great. That might be right. That's great. Uh, the, the next category here real quick is just things that are like almost never relevant hack election reverses the order and like uh, oh sure that can come up but that's one of those ones where you very often see someone just do it for the laugh like oh, i'm using hack election this agenda how oh, we're gonna do it backwards it doesn't the, obviously the best time to do it is when you are second in order and you turn yourself into second right. and last but like even that is like a rarity of when that convenient timing happens for you uh 
insider information you get to look at the next agenda so obviously like you just use it after the first agenda to know if it's worth putting votes on this one or the next one or whatever minorly relevant um and like the nalu commander effectively is like the same idea you just are kind of always looking at the agendas so it's just all these things all the time i get all the time time. i wish there was a way to like (laughs) what we need for tabletop playground is daryl to hot code a thing that like nalu just has another hand that they always are they're just always looking at the top and bottom card of the agenda deck like that i want that to just be a little window that they have that's not going to happen and that sounds actually incredibly difficult but i wish that that's what we had is just like nalu has this secret little camera that looks at the two cards at all times that they're allowed to look at so i just counted up the elect players and uh because that was important um i didn't even count up exactly how many but i'm going to estimate it's actually more like 20 percent 20 that's double elect players yeah, that's double, Matt. Um, so it's closer to 20%. So there you go. Um, big, big deal. So how do we sum up sum up this section? Oh, wait, um, wait, before we wait go to- I, I forgot one more. Necro's prediction. Sorry. We'll yeah, get that whatever. in there. There's a whole thing. Listen to a Necro guide to hear a lot about the Necro prediction. But like, yes, Necro predicts stuff and we will avoid voting sometimes to prevent them from getting tech. That's the main little trick that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So basically... I think our our kind of end point of our analysis here, and we've said it a couple times, but I just want to I just want to restate it here, kind of at the end of this section. Around twenty five percent, and that's a real loose twenty five percent, by yeah. the way. Do not do not come at me being like I feel like your numbers are not quite off. I feel like it's eighteen point eight percent, or like no no no. I just roughly yeah a quarter of the time in a vacuum, the agenda phase will be important. Now, a quarter of a time, there's only six agendas in general. So, like, we could very easily have it come up on the 75% side mm-hmm. for all six of those agendas. That's not that weird. Right. You know what I mean? Like, 25%, if if we have a 25% chance of something, but we're going to simulate it, like, 100 times, we're going to see, what, 25 occurrences of yep. it, right? But this is only six times we're, we're, right. we're actually doing this little experiment. Yeah. yeah. So like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be wonky. You can never fully count on the agenda phase to be important. Mm-hmm. Um. So so no matter what you do, you've got to be ready. Right. Each player has to be ready for this agenda to be important. But you know it's more likely not going to be be important. And then on top of that, kind of in a vacuum, twenty five percent chance this is important and I need to pay attention. All of those relevant abilities that we just threw out there. Those are all just, I mean, even the faction abilities, I'll say, for the most part, are RNG might be very important right. and then change the relevance of, especially, I mean, agendas that are borderline um, and even completely non-important agendas, their relevance can be changed by the writers right. completely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, it's it's not important until it is, and then it becomes very important. Yeah. There's definitely games that swing based off the agenda phase, but how often does that happen? Not often, yeah. but it does happen. Yeah, I would almost um, call it like, it's like we're saying it's a 25, 30% chance that you even see an important agenda, but there's 20% window on either side. Like that, that variance, that level of uncertainty widens by 20% on either side based yeah. on all of these other fa- politics yeah. siphoning in good agendas from the people who need them, faction abilities. So it's like 10 to 50% chance of important yeah. big agendas happening. Right, right. Yeah, so it's, it. I, yeah, I would say that that is, that is the best way to think about it. It is not something to build a strategy around. 
Like, I feel like people take the agenda phase too far sometimes, yeah. and it's like, you can never really take the RNG out of the agenda phase, but you can, you know, learn the agendas, keep the ones that are important in your mind, forget the rest, uh, and focus on those abilities. Yeah. That's what I would tell, like, a newer player that's like, I'm trying to wrap my head around the agenda phase. I'd be like, listen, learn the big ones, Forget the small stuff yep. and learn the abilities that are important to keep in mind. For of. sure. Yeah. That, yeah. that is definitely the takeaway is the, the abilities are the most important part. And then there's like a couple of things you need to be afraid of. Mostly yeah. really in terms of like your first, here's, here's your first tip. If you're just starting, just do the mutiny thing. Save one vote. For now, yeah. that's like the one main, vote. that's the only agenda like you have to very specifically plan for nothing else can be like perfectly planned for but you can plan for mutiny start there and then start learning a couple more agendas but mostly focus on those abilities yeah yeah so yeah just just focus on focus on the i would say the agendas that we isolated yeah. in those three sections. sections and then we're going to take a little break and when we get back we are going to deep dive uh buffet style <laughs> on the entire agenda deck so stay tuned for Ooh, it here we go Welcome back. Okay. All right, Hunter. It's time. We, we've got, we've done like a whole episode and now it's time to do a whole episode where we read all of these things. Now, he, what are the rules today? We've talked about a lot of agendas already. Are we going to glaze past the agendas we've already talked about or are we going to reiterate some points to uh, isolate them in this section? I, I think we're going to read them. Uh, we're going to read all of them. They'll all be read aloud in yes. this section. But if we've already talked about them, we're not going to really analyze right. because we're going to basically say that we've already done the analysis. Okay. Well, let's start at the start. This, these are in alphabetical order based on base game versus expansion. So we're just starting here with anti-intellectual revolution, which is a law. It is a for and against for after a player researches a technology that player must destroy one of their non-fighter ships against at the start of the next strategy phase. Each player chooses and exhausts one planet for each technology that they own. Yeah. So uh, obviously the against is much worse than the for. Mm -hmm. um, the against is almost always going to be a problem because you start with tech unless you're Sardak. Yummy. Um, you start with tech unless you're Sardak. And if this comes out, like, let's say round one agenda phase, sure. you are too early in the game to be able to say, well, I've only have two techs, so that's just going to cost me two planets. It's like, well, is that really going to be okay, though? Yeah. Going into round two? Um, that's probably even the best case scenario yeah. is that it comes out very, very early. Um, in the late game, I mean, it. I've seen, I've seen this come out regularly where it's like, well, if this goes against... The players will have to all exhaust all of their yes, planets. That's right. how much tech they have. Right. You know. Yeah, it's nasty. And that four is just like, I mean, sack a destroyer. Every you, everyone needs to start building extra yep. destroyers, and you just kill a destroyer on the board. It's really not the worst thing in the world for that four to happen. Uh, sometimes it hits somebody a little bit worse than the others, but generally, it's just you know what, just do the four, and it's gonna be fine. But this is one of those unfortunate ones where that's a law in play that we really couldn't right. afford to go against on. So we are generally putting this one on the four and giving someone a chance at that secret objective. Yeah, unless, you know, I unless this is going to hurt my opponents a lot more than it's going to hurt me, mm -hmm. I'm I would say I'm like plus 5 yeah. or 4 just in in uh in the abstract, but yeah, I mean, I could be convinced if 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 I am going to be sitting pretty 
and everybody else is going to be sad or or three players or or even just the player in the lead is going to be sad and everybody else is going to be sitting pretty if it's like Jolnar is in the game and yeah. then the other five players just don't have any tech which is well, that's crazy yeah i'm not really sure why that would happen but uh that's the situation where i could imagine wanting to go against for this one yeah uh next up is archived secret it is just a directive it is the elect player the elected player draws one secret objective we did talk about this one earlier and i just freaking love this one it's just a good thing to have happen but it's always like up for debate of who's gonna get it it's very rare that like this sparks a huge this is like a raw mm -hmm. agenda phase agenda where it's just like who's got the most votes to vote for themselves and who can right. maybe form a small little coalition because the other person realizes they're dead in the water but like right fancy stuff doesn't really happen here yeah or it like comes out at a point where the players are just like let's just give it to the player and last right. Um, right. and not worry about it so sometimes it's a big deal sometimes it's not it's also very hard to figure out how to buy like how much is a secret objective mm -hmm. draw worth I mean, I would say these days I feel like it's worth a lot. A lot. I would probably play. I would probably pay. Uh, I would probably start the bidding at three. You yeah. know what I mean for for archive secret, and then see what you what you say, and then up it to four or five or whatever. <laughs> three in some great, you know, promissory note or something. Yeah. I want it. Yeah. I want a secret draw. Yeah, I think I always want this. Even if I have like decent secrets, it's like, hey, I could get a better one though. I could get more action phases or whatever. So <laughs> you know what I like to do? Ooh, uh, here's one of my sneaky plays. This is this is uh, welcome to Hunter Sneaky Corner. Um, where I give you a little insight into some of the sneaky stuff I like to do. When Archive Secret comes out, I always like to act like I want it very, very badly. Mm -hmm. Even if I have really great secrets and I don't care. Because mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to believably Hollywood yeah. that you have um, bad secrets. Right. Because if you want Archive Secret and you really convince the other players that you want it, they're going to be like, oh, his secrets are bad. Right. Like, they're actually not good. Right. Because he really he wants this. Archive Secret. Right. Yeah. So uh, and that's what I like to, to get people yeah about. technical note worth noting you cannot draw drive the debate and then score it uh that you yeah. would you were already elected then you drew the secret to become elected you that already happened you don't get to score yeah. it like immediately yeah. that's not that's not how that works uh one happened and then the other yeah next up is arms reduction this is also just a directive for each player destroys all but two of their dreadnoughts and all but four of their cruisers against at the start of the next strategy phase. Each player exhausts each of their planets that have a technology specialty. We talked about this hurting L1 and Barony. And right. that against is not that bad. It's different in POK. In base game, right. all of the tech specialties is like a 1-1. One, one, a like a 1-0 or whatever. Sure, it's sure. like, I'm not costing much. But nowadays you can get... A blue tech on a Cohen or something and it's a two three and or you have Semlor or something and those are a mm -hmm. bit more annoying to lose uh, but usually there's not enough cruisers and dreadnoughts on the board for the four to be that much of a disaster unless L1 or Barony or are present I see this go for a lot mostly because mm -hmm. um, not you know with, there's not enough uh, I mean dreadnoughts are great but I feel like POK has made uh, the, the kind of fleet composition stuff varied up enough to yeah. where there's not going to be enough dreadnoughts on the board a lot of the time when this comes out. And even sometimes when there are a lot of dreadnoughts out, people are just happy to destroy each other's stuff. Right. So I don't know. It never it never hits the whole table enough for the four not to happen. And the against, well, everybody's always going to have at least one technology yeah. specialty. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I, so. if I can play like Brian here for a second, you should always do four 
because there's a chance someone needs five dreadnoughts as their secret, and why not take them down a peg if they were working sure. on that? Why yeah, not? Yeah, but Just do it. <laughs> I have. I, I did see a game recently where they went for so that it would hurt L1, mm-hmm. um, and I was very annoyed by it because for the rest of the game, they kept talking about how L1's neighbor needed to be Winslay. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, L1 was in last, and I was right. like, y'all don't need to go four on arms reduction because the against isn't going to be that bad to everybody, and you want L1 to have dreadnoughts yep. so they can Winslay the person in the lead. Yep. L1 was sitting next to the this person was... that was like kind of careening ahead. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I, I wish people kind of made, like, thought about the game more in terms of that because i feel like people they they over prioritize just being optimal and and prioritize value when they should be prioritizing player relationships to each other right it's hard to trust someone to deal with a thing though so i get the hesitancy but i i also firmly agree people should do that uh next up we've got one we talked a lot about classified document leaks law when this agenda is revealed if there are no scored secrets uh, discard this card and reveal a different agenda from the top of the deck, but then you elect a scored secret objective. The elected secret objective becomes a public objective. Place it near the other public objectives in the common play area. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've, we went to town on this one. Y'all, y'all know, y'all know what we think about classified document leaks. It can get pretty wild. Um, please, somebody make it an action phaser next time. I want to see it, please. It's It's more fun. Hey, colonial redistribution is a directive. Elect a non-home planet other than Mechatolrex. That's a lot. That's a lot of things to take out of the room. Yeah, that's annoying. Destroy each unit on the elected planet. Then the player who controls that planet chooses one player with the fewest victory points. That player may place one infantry from the reinforcements on the elected planet obviously then that planet transfers ownership to the person who placed the infantry there a lot of times this can become a nothing burger i will say in pok this got drastically increased in value because uh legendary planets are not included in this caveat right you can make prime war go to somebody else or hope send or uh, malice or whatever and not only is that just a big deal planet that's also uh, a secret objective so sometimes people are going for those and you can push it onto somebody else or whatever sometimes you can very cutely accidentally give someone that secret objective by putting them on the a legendary planet they never expected to get onto and then oops right. i got my thing and i'm catching up now right so it has that kind of wind potential uh it can it can hurt a player in the lead it can take away a legendary planet um it can also destroy a bunch of structures on an important planet something mm-hmm. like that um, but yeah, Matt, I, I feel like often, anecdotally, I feel like most of the time when this comes out, they just make it a nothing burger. Yep. It doesn't have to be, but a lot of times right. it ends up being It always one. ends up getting talked about, like, should we hit that big stack? And that person is like, why do you want to hurt me so bad? I'm not in that much of a lead. And then we end up just, like, hitting a planet with no infantry on it and just letting it sort of transfer. And it's something that the person can easily get back or whatever. It's or you just elect the player who is in last place right. and then literally nothing, nothing happens. happens. Right, that yeah. Uh, next up is committee formation. It is a law. It's an elect player law, which means this is forcibly going to become a law. There's no way to avoid yeah. it except for there's no way law. around it. Yeah. Uh, the elected player gains this card before players vote on an agenda that requires a player to be elected. The owner of this card may discard this card to choose a player to be elected. Players do not vote on that agenda. This one uh, we kind of almost wanted to put into that. Uh, changes the game thing, but it's like right. the step before you change the game. The best use of committee formation is to steal Imperial Arbiter before anybody right. even gets to vote on it, right? Or it's political censure to gain a victory point. But committee formation itself doesn't always 
have a big impact because maybe that big deal law never comes up after the fact. But it can be a game changer. So I always fight really hard for this one. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's worth fighting for, um, especially if you plan to be taking politics soon so you can actually maybe help your odds mm-hmm. a little bit. A lot of the elect player stuff is pretty good. Some of it isn't. Um, I would say maybe half of it is real good and then maybe the other half is just merely okay in the right circumstance yeah um so the thing about committee formation is that it's hard to buy something if you don't know how it's going to pay off um so it just depends on your table if your table is really stingy and they're making you pay a lot for it yeah i would just tap out and just let speaker have it because the likelihood of you know the next thing coming out just being like minister of policy whoop-de-doo they get one extra action card who cares You know, right. honestly, we could use what I wouldn't mind is in Omega ministers where all the weak ministers were made pretty strong so yeah. that at least everything was really good because some of some of the ministers, the ministers are not created equal, as you will see as we keep uh, exploring them yeah. here. Uh, my favorite thing about committee formation is kind of what you were getting into, which is a lot of people uh, underthink it, downplay it, and that makes it very often very a cheap way to get that, and then you steal Imper- Imperial Arbiter, which would have cost you significantly more. So that's true. But but if the table is thinking ahead, they will they should make it cost you a lot, like Hunter was See, I, saying. I, it's funny that you because I think we just have different experiences with this card because yeah. I actually find people end up yeah, making this mean. card really expensive. Yeah. Based off the very low chance that Imperial Arbiter is going to come out. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then. They end up paying a lot for it and then nothing really, you know, they end up with Minister of Policy and they're just like, yeah, whatever. Or Minister of Exploration, it's the end of the game. And mm-hmm. it's like, whoop-de-doo, I'm going to get a couple trade goods off this. Nice. Yeah. You know. Uh, next up is Compensated Disarmament. It is just a directive. It's Elect Planet. One of the few Elect Planets that is left. We just talked about Colonial Redistribution and this is kind of like one of the only other ones left. Destroy each ground force on the Elected Planet for each unit that was destroyed. The player who controls that planet gains one trade good uh we will talk about this same concept with another uh, agenda later but this one is just targeting one specific person um and this is a goofy one because a lot of people want this it's it's usually quite good to go ahead and cash in a bunch of like yep. the, the table likes killing six infantry and the person likes gaining six bucks and it's usually fine it's not something to use on the player in the lead unless you have just exactly the right planet. Right. If you have a planet that you can target that they're not going to be able to reinforce in any way before the wind slay happens, something like that. Because it just uh, it, it does just say elect planet. We can uh, home systems on the table, Mextal Rex is on the table. Yeah. Like we can we can go wherever we want with it. But the fact that they get trade goods a lot of the times towards the end of the game positionally, we stop caring about our planets as much as we care about having money. Yep. And Trade goods is something we'd probably rather have because trade goods can't be stolen by other players. They just hang out right. in my bank and help me win the game. Um, so yeah, you have to be pretty mindful of this one. Um, oftentimes, I prefer to make this one a nothing burger and just move on because yeah. I think that trying to figure out whether it makes more sense to destroy the ground forces and give them the trade goods is just it's, it's tough because yeah. you, you're literally making money off of this most right. of the time. Even mechs, I, I still feel like Turning a mech into a trade good 
is fine. I, I'll do that. Sure. I, I know I'm losing some value, but it's okay. I can yeah. figure it out. Uh, I think Arborek more than anybody really would like, especially Arborek before they've used their hero. Those oh, yeah, trade yeah. goods are literally just going to turn themselves right back into those infantry plus the value you made off of them. So like Ar Arborek loves this one. And generally Arborek is in a position where the table is maybe willing to just let it happen to them because they're not in any sort of lead. So I don't know, kind of a fun one for Arborek there. Uh, right. Next up, we've got Conventions of War. It is a four and against the law. Four players cannot use bombardment against units that are on cultural planets. The against, each player that voted against discards all of their action cards. Yeah. So nobody ever votes against, by the way. <laughs> that just doesn't really happen. Yeah. What happens is everyone abstains and then the speaker breaks the tie for against. Yeah. If for some reason the speaker doesn't want the four what's interesting about this one is it's like nobody nobody i i don't believe anyone's voting against unless there's some reason like they mm -hmm. only have one action card and it sucks or they have no action cards right then they'll vote against sure um but most of the time i feel like this ends up going forward just because if there's one person yep, that's all it takes that wants it to go forward <laughs> that's all it's gonna take because everybody else is like ah, i'm not doing anything with this yeah, yeah. um this is a fun one to rider because if you rider the four, nobody wants to go against. Yeah. Uh, so then you get in a situation where either you make sure nothing happens. If let's say you're the person that doesn't want the four. Um, in fact, that's actually something I would say. If you don't, if you want to be able to bombard cultural planets, which there, there are a lot of cultural planets that you would probably like to, to bombard. Mm -hmm. For some reason, three of the uh, legendary planets are cultural. Yep. You know, Primor's cultural, Mirage is cultural, and Malice. Yep. For some reason, Dane, why'd you do that? Um, why'd you do that, Dane? Uh, for some reason, that's how it goes. So you you might want to be able to bombard those. I don't know. You need yeah. to be able to think about it. A lot of times, this one's nothing though, and everybody just abstains, and right. we we break it against, and then nothing bad happens to anybody. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where it stinks to have happen, but it's not bad enough that anybody will avoid it. Essentially, right is the idea. Uh, next up, we've got economic equality is a directive that we've talked quite a bit about. The four, each player returns all their trade goods to the supply. Then each player gains five trade goods against each player returns all of their trade goods to the supply. So again, yeah. we noted uh, the Mentac thing with the four where they would steal one from everybody because everybody would be going above that three threshold. So that's the main consideration. The rest of it is just like whatever your board state is. We talked about it earlier. Right. Uh, um, let's talk about enforced travel ban. It is a law for alpha and beta wormholes have no effect during movement against destroy each PDS in or adjacent to each system that contains a wormhole. We talked about the against earlier. Yeah. Uh, when it came to uh, targeted agendas versus certain factions, obviously um, that P destroy each PDS can be a lot. It can be a little. It just yeah. depends, right? I've seen it destroy almost every PDS on the game, and it'd be like, you know, it has like 10 PDS in its little PDS necklace right. um, that it, you know, rides off into the sunset with. <laughs> um, and then the four, I hate. I actually do not like this agenda yeah. um, really at all. Uh, and I've gone on record saying that I'm going to delete it from the agenda deck uh, for the semifinal games <laughs> yeah. uh, because we we, <laughs> we played a test game yeah. for the semifinal games. The, the the semifinals, if you haven't seen the map yet, you need to watch that map video on our YouTube. Um, the concept is that there's a wormhole in the center of each slice. That's the new thing. Yep. So they're all connected, okay? And I'm playing a test game and this comes out as like the first agenda and they, vote, they go four. I was livid. Yeah. And they immediately just shut down the entire hook yeah. of our map i was livid yeah i mean if you were in game, that game and you're listening right now i was livid yeah. the the whole game is less interesting without wormholes i mean to the to the effect of when i'm making maps like 
the first tiles I set aside to include in any map are the wormholes. Like I put right. those down and I go, where do I want those to be on the map? And then I design the map around where the wormholes are. Yeah. So yeah, this this one sucks. Uh, and uh, the against is rough. And so then it makes it a very tough agenda to, to get through. Yeah, I always want to go against, uh, even if it kills any some of my PDS, unless I just have to keep them. Yeah. Unless I just have to keep them. Yep. Um, I just hate shutting the wormholes down because I feel like I always regret it. Um, and even if I'm playing a faction where I'm like, oh, I hope, uh, but somebody might hurt me through the wormholes. It's like, I don't know, I can gum or yeah. whatever. I can figure out a way to, right. to make it work. Yeah. Next up is executive sanctions. It's a law for each player can have a maximum of three action cards in their hand against each player discards one random action card from their hand. That four is pretty powerful. And like we said, we talked about Asarl at one point. Uh, negating this they get to just keep all their action cards anyways so it's like the super you want to turn a sorrow into a ridiculous powerhouse then yeah go ahead and go for but i think the against is more common yeah it's like the opposite of a targeted mean agenda yeah. it, it's it's just nice to a sorrow it helps them uh you know have even more action card dominance but at the same time it's also um you know whenever i play against a sorrow these days i just try and get rid of all my action cards mm -hmm. as soon as i can so the Sarl can't mage on biostems me. So honestly, maybe I like executive sanctions because I'm just like, nah, man, I'm just trying to lose all these anyways. Let right. me throw away all my good stuff so it doesn't get into Sarl's hands. The against also, though, not so bad. One random action card, not a big deal. Yeah. There, it's, there's always that one person, though, that's like, I only have four cards, so I'm discarding one card either way. And I don't have good action card draw. This is round, you know, four agenda phase. Right. Like it's actually not going to cost me anything long term, and I can't afford to risk losing my sabotage. I would rather do the four and choose to get rid of my bribery or whatever. Right? Yeah. You should always keep in mind that that if you know if you have four cards, it's only one, and you get to choose yeah. what you keep in the four. Whereas against is you do not get to choose. Right. Uh, fleet regulations is a law for each player cannot have more than four tokens in their fleet pool and the against each player places one command token from their reinforcements in their fleet pool. This one is generally this is the nothing burger to me. I mean, it's like the things matter, but writers end up going on this that make it a bigger deal because everyone's kind of okay with four everyone's even even barony is like fine with either of these outcomes and it yeah, doesn't actually totally. change the board state very rarely does anybody go above four in their fleet pool anyways until like the very last round of the game for like big crazy stuff but like it's not a caveat we often plan for i like the four as a soft way to kind of keep sar in check yeah sar often uh in the late game has to have a very high fleet pool because mm -hmm. uh they can only occupy one system because they've been kicked off everything else or whatever <laughs> uh, at this point. And the only way that they can really assert their dominance is by a high fleet pool. But yeah, for the most part, four tokens is more than enough in a fleet pool. Nobody's really going to care that much. Yep. Even the Barony uh, secret plus two they're going to have is whatever. Because yeah. um, Barony already in the late game is going to have the best fleet um, it, by, you know, doesn't the numbers make no difference. Right. You know what I mean? They right. can always get NES and just be the biggest tankiest boy yeah. at the table yeah and then the against is just something nice for everybody yeah i mean it's it's just not very consequential not yep. a very important agenda yep next up is homeland defense act uh which is the law for each player can have any number of you uh pds units on planets that control a rule many people don't even know exist that you can only have right. two <laughs> and then they get right. this and they go wait what's different about what the four happened uh and then the against is each player destroys one of their pds units um this is one of those laws where I don't like letting it go for because it's a pointless law and why would we have risked putting that law in play for someone to score the secret? This is like the definition of that kind of law for me. Yeah, yeah. 
if it's, I just can't imagine a situation where I care about the against that much. Uh, if I have a bunch of PDS, then I can stand to lose one. If I'm playing a PDS faction, that is. Yeah. Um, also, I get to choose where it is. It's not like, you know, enforced travel ban where it's destroying a whole bunch and they're all not my choice where, which ones are getting destroyed. Um, I think like if I'm playing just a normal faction that doesn't rely on PDS and I happen to have one in my home system, I probably do not care. Yep. Yep. Um, and then if I'm playing a faction with no PDS, then I definitely do not care. <laughs> so like through most of those are really the three states of being with PDS <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So no, the against is just not bad. Um, and the four, why let a law in play? Yeah. But yeah, the, the thing about the nothing burgers is this is, this is a good writer potential yep. one here. It's a four and against. Um, and it really doesn't matter which way it goes. So yep. there you go. Uh, th we've got three here in a row that we've talked a lot about. So we'll kind of burn through them quickly. So keep keep on your toes. Imperial Arbiter is an elect player law. So it's, of course, scary for that thing that I'm afraid of. Uh, the elect yep. player gains this card at the end of the strategy phase. The owner of this card may discard this card to swap one of their strategy cards with one of another player's strategy cards. That's Quantum Data Hub Node. Um, the only thing we didn't talk about earlier is it is actually literally the same timing as Quantum Data Hub Node, which then turns into a weird game of chicken when Hakan is in the game and they don't and somebody else gets Imperial Arbiter. There's like a goofy thing of like whoever acts first is not going to be the one that gets what they want or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of a similar thing as to how um, action cards work in the agenda phase, which guess what? That's actually how action cards work all the time. All the time. <laughs> um, it's just that we don't bother to go through asking every single person if they want to play a card uh, in every single window. Yeah. And then if someone does, asking everyone again <laughs> because they're all back in it. But yeah, so Imperial Arbiter versus Quantum Hub Data Hub Node or versus two Quantum Hub Data Hub Nodes if there's a Necro in the game, yeah. right? Is kind of the only other time we do that sort of agenda phase level of like, okay, do you want to play this ability? Oh, yeah. you pass? Okay, and then it goes to the next person. If everybody passes, then nobody even gets to do it, right. which I've always wanted to see. Yeah. I've always wanted to see all three of them in there, and they just mess up, yeah. and everybody passes. Well, and it's like, like, it oh, becomes the kind of thing, this. it's such a game of chicken that you literally are better off the three of you just coming to some sort of agreement of how to make this work because it's like it doesn't oh, sure. it just doesn't yeah. make any sense to like stand in the face of that like literally there's no reason to act first and then it just gets messy so you have to just like negotiate your way through it oh yeah but but to be honest though you gotta you gotta force it on, yes. on that that discussion by the way i mean if you are first you should pass you should absolutely yeah, yeah. force it to the last person to decide right um i say i mean i i yeah yeah yeah, cause you, cause you got to be the second one, and if you just force them to to pass, then they don't, then nobody gets to do anything. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next up is incentive program. It is a directive where you four draw and reveal one stage one public objective from the deck and place it near the public objectives, and the against is draw and reveal one stage two public objective from the deck and place it near the public objectives. We talked ad nauseum about that one. We also talked right. ad nauseum about Ixthian artifact, which is a directive. The against is no effect, but the four is. <gasps> The speaker rolls one die. If the result is six to ten, each player may research two technologies. If the result is one to five, destroy all units in Mechatol Rex's system, and each player with units in systems adjacent to Mechatol Rex's system destroys three of their own units and in each system, each of those systems. Ooh, I'm, I goofed it up Ooh, there at the wow. end. I may, I yeah. almost made it, but I am it not up. a, I am not you an auctioneer. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, that against, uh, just strike it from the record. 
Uh, there's only one outcome for Ixian Artifact, and we've all agreed that you should not play Riders on Ixian Artifact. That's so the do rule. not do that. That's the rule. <laughs> don't play Riders on it. I don't care. I don't care. There's I don't a care. secret agenda that is always played at the beginning of the game, and it always passes, and it is a law that says you may not play Imperial Rider on the four of Ixian Artifact. It's just a yeah. law that is in You may play. not play any Riders yeah, on any the four riders. of Ixian Artifact. How dare you? Never do that. Never uh, do judicial that. abolishment is a directive when this Agenda is revealed if there are no laws in play. Discard this card and reveal another agenda from the top of the deck. But then you elect a law and you discard the elected law from play. This is uh, most critically important because it's another way to get rid of something like political censure, which is a victory point for someone. You can just make that go away. Right. This is also uh, one of the most likely uh, writer city situations. Yes. Um, if there's only one law in play and judicial abolishment comes up, that means there is only one possible outcome kind of just like a flaw in the game, um, and everyone can play riders and get all of their riders through as long as they're not sabotaged. Yep. So kind of hate it when that happens, but it is it is what it is. Um, okay, uh, we got a fun little minute, uh, a segment here. Can you tell me how to get how to get to Minister Street? It's time to go through all seven of the minister laws. Are you ready, Hunter? Yes, Actually, there's I even more ministers, because P.O.K. brought in some, but we'll get to those later. But we're in base game town. Minister of Commerce is a law. Elect player, all the things. After the owner of this card replenishes commodities, they gain one trade good for each player that is their neighbor. This got way yeah. more potent in P.O.K. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like, well, I mean, it, it was pretty, it was plenty potent. Sure in uh in base game already i already felt like it was worth like a lot of trade goods but yeah that that trigger of replenish commodities there's a lot of other ways to do that these days yeah. besides um besides the trade. Uh, trade primary or yeah trade primary or secondary um there's also calaris which if they get this oh it's my God. hysterical Disaster. because they replenish their commodities at the beginning of every single strategy phase yeah. calaris, insane calaris should have to pay like eight trade goods to everyone to be allowed to get the minister like that's how much it should cost calaris because they are and they'll still, still make, make money, money baby <laughs> they'll still make money off it i mean how much is that that's like five trade goods every single round on top of the one trade good that they get just for being calaris yeah uh and then they're gonna do it again so at each round they're gonna make 10 trade goods off of just minister of commerce that's assuming that they are neighbors with everyone but they have ways to be neighbors with people yeah. through their faction tech allows yeah. them to be neighbors with any players that are in or adjacent to Mechatol Rex. That's ridiculous. So, yeah, they are made for this minister. <laughs> Do not let them have it. We've ever. got the Minister of Exploration. When the owner of this card gains control of a planet, they gain one trade good. This is the very often not that big of a deal because by the time this comes out, planets have been taken you're only taking a few more planets over the course of the rest of the game it's very rare right. that you're like just steamrolling through people's stuff in the mid game yeah actually matt i have a question about minister of commerce real quick um for the gaining of the trade goods is it cumulative or are they gaining one trade good for each of their neighbors my question is this does yeah. mentac pillage each of the trade goods if you are above three so it is all gained as one lump sum and is not one trade good at a time. That This is not a consistent thing throughout all abilities. So just in this specific instance, when you use Minister of Commerce, it's you're gaining five trade goods, not one, 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 one. So Mentac right. only gets to pillage you the one time if it puts you over your value or whatever. Good deal, good deal. I bring that up mostly because for this next one, 
your mentech is going to be a huge problem for whoever ends up with this minister right which is the minister of exploration yes so that one is like we said not the biggest deal in the world it's just a dollar in the mid game that you make almost no money off of it i've never seen anyone push for this one unless they have the secret objective this is the one where it's like if someone really wants this uh they're lying to you right it means they ha yeah it means <laughs> they have the get elected secret objective yeah, because it's just, yeah, it's, I mean, is it the worst? I don't know. Minister of Policy is pretty bad. Pretty bad. But yeah, no, nah, th this is this is probably worse. Than, this this is, is probably the worst uh, one. This, this one I'm going to call a B tier, which is the Minister of Industry, when the owner of this card places a space stock in a system that players units in that system may use their production abilities. If this gets used, it gets used once, and it's maybe yeah. minimal value. I mean, it's unlocked stuff usually, except for it's not. It's it's if you're doing the primary of construction, you're going to build some unlocked stuff, and that's awesome. But if you're doing the secondary, you're locking down that system anyway, so it really right. holds no bonus value. It's just stuff you built out of a newer dock than you otherwise would have. It's real good if you happen to have JR, mm -hmm. but if you do not have JR, the uh, sorry, that's the relic agent uh, that is like a Titan's agent that yep. lets you build space docks. Then I would say, nah, this this one also is a sign that they probably have the secret objective if they really want this one. Yeah. Minister of Peace, after a player activates a system that contains one or more of a different player's units, the owner of this card may discard this card immediately end the active player's turn. We almost put this in that category of like game changers, change the yeah. board state. It's not quite yeah. there, but it can be a big deal. And it, this one gets really confused a lot. So let's clarify it. It can be used in kind of any conceivable way. It is not as restrictive as some people on the internet will tell you. You can use it when someone activates your stuff. You can use it when somebody activates a third party's stuff. You can you can just you can use it to cancel an attack. That's the think of it that way. I've right. seen people on the internet try to say you can only use it for a second person activating a third person, and that is not true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it is the easy reading of it, not the hard reading of yep. it, basically. Uh, Minister of Policy, we kind of just mentioned at the end of the status phase, the owner of this card draws one action card. Awkward Ooh. timing, bad ability. Uh, Asarl doesn't hate getting this. It's even more siphoning because sure. my understanding yep. is still that you do the three that oh, you yeah, draw yeah. and then this no. is a second time and then you draw yeah. two here and discard one so it's kind of so you're drawing you're extra, seeing five exactly. action cards every single round yeah. uh, and you're keeping three of them right which is that's pretty good pretty good for them and them only <laughs> nobody <Yeah>. else cares <laughs> well, and, and sorry i said i said you draw five i should not have said that it's three and then two. Oh sure yeah <laughs> welcome to space cats peace Barf. turtles not five three and then two excuse me <laughs> minister of sciences is when the owner of this card resolves the primary or secondary ability of the technology strategy card they do not need to spend resources to research technology uh i see this get confused every once in a while this is great for jolnar and don't let people forget that it's sometimes people are like oh actually this is this if we give this to jolnar it does nothing no no yes they get that first tech for free always because they're always doing the primary of tech but they also get that second tech for free and that's where minister yep. of sciences hits really hard researching Ooh. Oh. Two tech for free is very good. Never let this go to Jolnar. Ever, never, never, ever, never. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. What, what's funny about this one is it entirely depends on how early it comes mm -hmm. out, its value, and its value then, if it's round two, can be quite high yep. uh, or it can be quite low. Um, so it really, it's very, very conditional, this one. This is like the, the 
I think uh, the uh, platonic example of the conditionally decent yep. agenda. Yeah. And last minister here of base game is the minister of war. The owner of this card may discard this card after performing an action to remove one of their command tokens from the game board and return it to their reinforcements. Then they may perform one additional action. Nuts. Uh, this one's crazy. Uh, I, there's this really disgusting thing I see people try to say. Let me let me read this with some really specific emphasis, okay? Yeah, yeah, this go is ahead. how to read this agenda wrong. The owner of this card may discard this card after performing an action to remove one of their command tokens from the board <laughs> and return it to their reinforcements. You see what I did there, Hunter? You yeah, see that crazy did, thing did I just something did? Really annoying there. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I heard that. No, don't read it that way. Yeah. Read it, read it, read it. So people the way that, think that this is way. only usable after unexpected action or warfare. And that is not the case. It is after no. performing an no. action to then remove one of your command tokens from the game board and return it. Boy, I, I, no, I, no, no, no. It's, it's sorry, sorry. That. No, let's play, let's say it entirely correct. Sure. You can do this after performing an action. That's it. Yep. And then Done. what you do is you remove one command token right. from the game, and then you do one additional action. Yeah. Now, those things don't even have to be correlated. You don't right. have to see those things all as one thing. I do, I play, I play Scuttle, I remove a token right. from my home system, and then I activate an entirely different system. Next up, we've got miscount disclosed it's another when this agenda is revealed if there's no laws in play discard this card from the, reveal from the agenda from the top of the deck you elect a law and this one you vote on the elected law as if it were just revealed from the top of the deck so an yeah. important reminder here technically speaking you fully finish this agenda you are you are just voting on miscount disclosed and then you will then right. finish miscount disclosure, and then you treat the new law as if it's like a new agenda in the agenda phase that will make it to where you do three agendas that agenda phase. Yeah, um, exactly. Also, the previous law is in effect the entire time until the moment the new law is elected. So something like the PDS ban where you can't have one, two. If somebody had more PDS, you don't destroy those PDS until that law moves because you could vote for the same person again and then there's no change in the board state at all. But if that person had four PDS on Mechatol Rex and then you vote for somebody else, only after you have voted and resolved the new agenda right. do you remove those PDS. Do you kill the extra two. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, another thing, I just got to note this again. I noticed it. Or I noted it the other time it's come up. This is another one where we commonly get Rider City situation yep. where there's only one law available. And so everyone gets to have their riders for free. Yeah, it sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Um, I don't like this one and I don't like the other one either. Yeah. I think the laws should be laws. I don't really need to uh, do them again yeah. or, you know, or just get rid of them. The, I, I just don't care enough. The laws generally aren't important enough for there to be so many ways for the laws to go away. Repeal right. law, these two agendas, like there's just, I think that's, even that small amount is too many ways to get rid of laws when like so many laws are not even that big of a deal and like they should, they should hold their weight. They should stick around. That should be the whole point of what happens. So, yeah. Right, right. Well, and speaking of agendas that don't matter, uh-oh, <laughs> never mind. This <laughs> next one is Mutiny, Oof. which is a directive for each player that voted for gains one victory point against each player that voted for loses one victory point. 
Um, we've already talked about this one quite a bit. Save a vote, everybody. Yep. Save a vote. Save a vote. Okay. Save one vote. <laughs> Help a child. What? Okay. Yeah. Save one <laughs> uh, vote. <laughs> we've got new constitution. This one is very specifically not a writer city, despite having many of similarities with the writer city agendas. Yeah, this one's okay. I'm with, okay with this one. When this agenda is revealed, if there are no laws in play, discard this card from and reveal the agenda from the top of the deck. But then it's a four and against. Four, discard all laws from play. At the start of the next strategy phase, each player exhausts each planet in their home system against no effect. That four, the exhausting home planets, home planets are generally pretty good, and so that is yeah. annoying. Um, uh-huh. And the against being no effect means, like, actually we dodge this a lot, but obviously paranoid matt likes the four because we can tally that uh that law count down if it matters but i think generally speaking the laws are not important enough that we care to discard them so this goes against a lot yeah it does go against a lot it it is a uh, very very nothing burger uh most of the time it at least doesn't offend me with creating some sort of writer city yep. um situation it's kind of doing what judicial abolishment does um, so like, I'm fine with it. It doesn't upset me in the way that those other two do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anytime there's a no effect against, I, I, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit. Yep. So there you go. Uh, we got prophecy of Ixth, which is a elect player law. Uh, the owner of this card applies plus one to the result of their fighters combat rolls. And then it has this contingency of to keep that ability when the owner of this card uses production, not produces, but uses production they discard this card unless they produce two or more fighters. Yeah, they almost always are going to forget anyways, so who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, the plus one I've seen be really dramatic uh, every once in a while, um, but a lot of the time it it comes. It's just not. It's just not very important. Yep. Um, uh, basically, and and worth noting things like uh, that which molds flesh, the Cabal Commander specifically plans for this uh when you produce fighter or infantry units up to two of those units do not count against your production limit but you are still actually producing them that's in contrast with things like i believe uh yin spinner is to just place infantry after the fact essentially the 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 yin spinner omega is after you produce units place up to two infantry from your reinforcements that placing does not count although that's just infantry anyways i think i'm thinking of like an old the old Nalu commander. Anyways, none of that matters. The point being, you got to produce. You got to actually produce, and Cabal is producing two for free. So this is kind of a good one for Cabal. A, l- a little bit handy because they're fine. always doing it anyways. I mean, everybody has fighters right. most of the time, so it's not like it doesn't do anything. Um, but most of the time, it's not very potent. It might come out too late for you to really make use of it. Mm. I would love to have a game where I am playing Sardak and I get this early. Oh, oh that'd make me happy. Yeah, that'd make me happy. I'd like to play that game sometime. We got public execution. It is an elect player directive, and it's we've talked about it. The elected player discards all of their action cards. If that player has the speaker token, they give it to the player on their left. The elected player cannot vote on any agendas during this agenda phase. We didn't ever talk about that part before because it doesn't matter. If this is the second agenda, it literally has no effect. And right. I, so it's like, okay, sometimes it's an incentive to put it first and then like you have to complicatedly rethink your your speaker order for the second it is uh, that's all very confusing and none don't of it worry is about that, it yeah, you know what i mean it's fine that part is not that important to yeah. try and optimize yeah. yeah yeah and we talked about the rest so let's do publicize weapon schematics which is a foreign against law for if any player owns a war sun technology which is rare all players may ignore all prerequisites on war sun technologies 
all war suns lose sustained damage against each player that owns a war sun technology discards all of their action cards yeah so that against obviously very main to muat uh and anybody that and maybe jolnar if yeah. they decided to go that way um but beyond that not really much of anything happens there a lot of times it goes against even the four just doesn't really matter either this right. is very nothing nothing burger uh most of the time if you have war sons you do not sustain them early right because you are afraid of direct hit and there's no way around that so like they already don't have sustained damage yeah. losing it not a big deal um letting other people get to war sons i've noticed even yeah doesn't mean that everyone researches war sons they can't afford most of the time, so. to build a war sun so they're not going to waste the time on a tech pop to go ahead and get it um, right. I'll make that special note too. This does say owns a Warsun technology. This doesn't hurt Mua innately. The your your right. prototype Warsun one have, is right. not a technology that you own. Exactly. It's an ability that you have. But if you had prototype Warsun two, that is a Warsun technology, and that would proc publicized weapon schematics. Yeah. 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 So it's it doesn't just hurt Mua right at the beginning. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we probably would have talked about it in the right. targeted agenda it's section. really not that big of a deal for muak it's really Muat, not that big of a deal is really not sustaining their <laughs> their war sons they are too valuable to them right uh, for sure for next sure. up is regulated conscription it's a foreign against law for when a player produces units they produce only one fighter or infantry for its cost instead of two and the against is no effect this is the one it, it's sleepy this is the one no effect against that I feel like still goes four all the time. What is with that? What's why is regulated conscription passed so often? It makes me mad. I don't know because people. It's it's an easy anytime there's an there's an against no effect. That's an easy rider. Yeah. Uh, to just because the other because the four isn't nobody likes the four. Right. Not that it's a big deal, but it still just feels like eh. Right. I don't want to pay more for fighters and infantry. I but don't want to pay more for that if it's. A leadership yeah. writer against basically you'll 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 yeah. take the hit basically <laughs> yeah it's like perfectly kind of tuned to yeah. be like uh well i don't like the four but if you put literally like any writer yeah. against then i'm gonna pick four yep uh, next up is seed of an empire we talked a lot about it it's a directive for the player with the most victory points gains one victory point against the player with the fewest victory points gains one victory point we there's all yeah. we did it yeah. all right shared yeah, research is a foreign against law for each player's units can move through nebula Nebulae, uh, against each player places a command token from their reinforcements in their home system if able. That against is pretty bad. In fact, it's yep. quite bad because uh, for a yep. lot of people, their home system is the only place they have a space dock. So you don't just activate their home, you cut off their ability to build units that round. Yep. And the four is almost literally nothing for anyway. Right. Uh, so this one almost always goes four and I, I agree in that situation. I can't I can't be paranoid enough to let this go against. I'm not in, in, in that boat. <laughs> and the against hurts everybody, yep. which is notable, except for Sar, because Sar is going to be like, what? I, I don't care yeah. if I have to activate my home system. I'm not even, I haven't seen my home system since round one. <laughs> I haven't I've been there seen since I was a child. Um, yeah. And But also, we don't really like, uh, you know, in general, people don't like agendas that are like nice to Sar and mean mm -hmm. to everybody else. So generally, I feel like the against doesn't happen. Uh, it's always going to be tempting to rider the four. Um, but yeah. then, of course, if the against goes through, then everybody's got to deal with that. Yeah. And, and I think activating your home system, especially in the late game, can be pretty bad. It's, it's one Maybe of the worst things that can happen it. to you. Yeah, I would say this mm -hmm. is I would say that against in a lot of situations is worse than any of those like 
destroy your ship's stuff. Because, like, you're very often needing to reinforce your home in the late game to, like, make sure you have a path to victory. And you right, don't always right. need all your destroyers in wormholes or whatever. So, yeah. shared research yeah, yeah. against is one of the worst things uh, I think that can happen to you. So, yeah. Yeah, um, it, if the timing is bad, it can yes. be really, really bad. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay, swords to plowshares. We talked about a similar thing earlier, but it is a directive. And the four is each player destroys half of their infantry on each planet they control, rounded up. Then each player gains trade goods equal to the number of their infantry that were destroyed. That's a that we liked that before. The against though is each player places one infantry from the reinforcements on each planet they control. Also good. So this one I yep. turn into being actually kind of a nothing burger because everybody always just likes either outcome and then it becomes about what riders go where. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just very even. I mean the against one infantry on each planet is probably nothing and not really worth it for anybody, but it's not bad. Mm -hmm. um, and then the four is always going to have a little bit of a grumbly, but most of the time in POK, uh, your mechs are on your important planets anyways, and yeah. they're not going to get destroyed. So basically it kind of just washes for everybody anyways. And then you get all these trade goods, which yep. you can use for more important things later. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, unconventional measures is a directive for each player that voted for draws two action cards. Or yep. the against each player that voted for discards all of their action cards. Uh, so the rule with this one is if you are first and probably even second in voting order, you probably should just abstain because it's way too unpredictable of how everyone's going to go. And if you decide to commit to a bunch of unless you're like Xcha and Xcha's alliance swap partner and you two have like 60 votes between you and can guarantee it there's not a good mm -hmm. excuse to like dedicate your votes for you probably abstain and probably like the speaker and one other person draws some action cards or something i've seen people play this one really friendly lately mm -hmm. to where that what you're saying i would say in a very competitive setting what you're saying is like very true in a very backstabby setting yeah but it's gotten to a point with this one for me like i feel like when this comes out in games people are just like whatever no everyone could just can vote just one four yeah we'll yeah. all <laughs> like whatever we're, we're not going to fall for the for the trap of wasting our time on this one this one just means we all get two action right. cards and if you're in that group congratulations right good, good for you the the other play too though is if you do if, if you are those first two players you could dedicate quite a lot of votes to against uh and then it like changes the math for people to even maybe be able to accomplish the four but i think that's even like the most mean option and it's not worth the votes unless this is the uh, second agenda and you just know that right. your votes are spendable basically so um a lot of this is one of those ones where we can we've already wasted too much time in this episode talking about it and people can waste a lot of time in an agenda phase talking about this one when yeah. the end result is actually like not that huge of a deal. I just think boat float meta, everybody just throws just one it. four, yeah. whatever, yeah. just do it. Just everybody get two action cards and move on with your life. Right. Uh, wormhole reconstruction is a law that we've talked quite a bit about for all systems that contain either an alpha or beta wormhole are adjacent to each other. Ooh, we're all ghosts or the against each player places a command token from the reinforcements in each system that contains a wormhole and one or more of their ships. So this was our ghost thing. Uh, I don't know that I have much more to say about it, Hunter. Um, I know there's a complicated relationship between wormhole reconstruction and enforced travel ban, and I've experienced where they're oh, both, yeah. they've both been voted in. Um, and it sucks because I can't quite remember it, exactly how it The how idea it is out. that both do exist simultaneously. All systems that contain, contain either an alpha or beta wormhole are adjacent to each other, meaning you can do transactions through them. 
But enforced travel ban is a ban on movement, which prevents you from getting to go through them. But they are still adjacent, which means you can be in an alpha, and so-and-so can be in a beta, and the two of you can trade stuff because you're actually adjacent now. Right. Actually, I'm pretty sure... Okay, so so the, the final ruling on this from Milty was that basically wormhole reconstruction supersedes enforced travel ban because of the wording of the four. All systems that contain either an alpha or beta wormhole are adjacent to each other. This doesn't have anything to do with movement. It's just saying those are adjacent. Oh, so, but so through adjacency, uglier. you can move. So and essentially, enforced travel ban is a little baby boy compared to wormhole reconstruction, who is the big daddy who decides. I'm mad at Milty for that ruling. I don't like that one. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how... That's really ugly. That that that's that is how Milty ruled it yeah. uh, very very recently. Well, yeah, the, although the, there was the some logic discussion there being, about it. it's not that it's saying that it's redefining wormhole rules. It's now saying yeah. just the tiles are adjacent, adjacent to each other. You're not using adjacent. a wormhole when you use that movement. You're right. just moving to an adjacent space. That's it's, so it's folded barf. space, baby. Yeah. The space <laughs> is folded. All right. That's wow. that's how it be. That's uh, next up be. is wormhole research, which is just the directive that we've talked a bit about for each player who has one or more ships in a system that contains a wormhole may research one technology, then destroy all ships in systems that contain an alpha or beta wormhole against each player that voted against removes one command token from their command sheet and returns it to their reinforcements. That against is definitely among the more possible things where the table can agree to not vote for and have the against happen. It's not like that other agenda we talked about earlier where like one person's probably going to, the the bombardment on cultural planets where one person's like, I'll throw a vote for. Sometimes it's common enough that everybody's like, actually, we do not need to let all the ships blow up, especially in a sort of situation where we are thinking about entanglement. Very often the ships in the wormholes, like they need to be there to either gum someone else's path to stuff or to be there and relevant in a wind slaying attempt. So I don't really think the four should happen as often as it does, but it still happens yeah. pretty often. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know. There's always somebody that's going to have to destroy too many ships yeah. is what happens. Right. Where somebody's like, ah, it's worth it's The table will be like, it's worth it going through the four because it's going to mess up Randy's day, you know, <laughs> and because Randy's got too many ships and he's yeah. going to lose his flagship. Uh-oh. If you're playing casually, you really shouldn't do that because there's just no reason to ruin. But like there's groups that if you're playing in Edmonton, they're just going to do it. <laughs> basically i don't know i mean i i i think it's worth it depending on who that player is if they're the leader yeah, sure then yeah i'll try and destroy all if their ships sar. if i can it sucks that they get a a tech for it you know yeah, yeah if it's sar and they have all their ships in one alpha hey then let's do guess it. what remember how sar can have chaos mapping and they can be in the asteroid alpha wormhole by uh -huh. themselves and you can't uh -huh. go there wormhole research sure is a convenient uh agenda for that situation that Yarp. we all love Yarp. um okay we are now getting into the Prophecy of Kings. We're going to reset the alphabet, and we now are on to Armed Forces Standardization. This is an elect player directive. The elected player places command tokens from their reinforcements so that they have three tokens in tactic, three tokens in fleet, two tokens in strategy pool. They return any excess tokens to the reinforcements. This is resetting them to where they started at the beginning of the game. It's always very funny because there's usually a bunch of players where it's like, oh, that's like plus one or minus one. And then there's like the one person where it's like, oh, that's like plus six for me or like that's minus right. four for me or whatever. Right. And I feel like the extremes never happen. It's just never worth boosting someone that much. 
and people can't really usually pay that much for it. Maybe right. they can, but it's like if you're if you're low on tokens, you're probably low on all of your economies and can't afford to buy it. And if you're way ahead, no, usually people don't actually want to target you that much because honestly, three, three, and two is enough to get by in pretty much any round. So even taking you down a bunch maybe doesn't ruin your life. So I think this usually is a nothing burger. I I find often that it if there is the the player in the lead with a bunch in the in the tactic token mm-hmm. that that is in the tactic pool I should say that that is the best player to elect. Yeah, it's best to to elect someone so as to take away a giant stack of right. tokens. But you're right. I mean, bringing someone down to three tactic pool is not going to be that big of a deal. And also, how often are you playing a game where somebody does have a giant stack? When right. it happens, it happens. Yeah. But it's not it's not always going to come up and and you you can't really buy it because you're so poor if right. you need it right. you know right uh, articles of war is a foreign against the law for all mechs lose their printed abilities except for sustained damage and against each player that voted for gains three trade goods this what one a is weird one it's so weird and so yeah. can be so interesting uh, i think we mentioned this earlier with like empyrean is like the only caveat it's like the only thing i would kind of think of this one being really mean to empyrean and sometimes we're like hey let's sure. turn off the yeah, sabotage yeah. but also more often than not empyrean sabotage can be bought and stuff and so you actually don't want to turn that ability off because it can help with an important wind slayer or whatever like it's a bit dangerous to, well and to also do. this goes against i would say most of the time yeah you know because it's the, really the best way to do it is you know, the first five to vote, I'll put in one vote for, and then everybody pays prob- probably one. I mean, and it ends right. up, the speaker ends up making a bunch of money off yeah. of this, and the, then everybody nets like two trade goods. Right. This is, is very similar to like a Mentac uh, economic equality sort of thing, or anytime someone plays the trade right. The second trade goods get involved, we can math a way to actually turn this into a socialist <laughs> to, uh, council where we just yeah. make the money go to everyone or whatever. Right, so right. That everybody happens. gets a little something with this one. Um, and yeah, I feel like nobody really likes the four enough yeah. um, to, to, to do that instead of the just rigging the against, basically. Yeah. Okay, Hunter, uh, plug your ears for just a minute because um, we're. Uh, I'm going to read a card that is going to make you probably throw up in your mouth, but here we go. <clears throat> it's checks and balances, and it's a for and against law for when a player chooses a strategy card during the strategy phase, they give that strategy card to another player who does not have one, or a player who does not... We I like, literally have already read this. Against the player readies three of their planets at the agenda, uh, end of the agenda phase. We did it. We got through it. We already talked about it. Move on. It's the worst thing ever. Don't do it. Well, wait. Hold up. I oh. got to talk about the against real quick sure. because I want to make sure nobody ever lets checks and balances pass. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so that's here's the thing. thing. The against, you got to read that against. Each player readies only three of their planets at the end of this agenda phase. So technically, Mm -hmm. what that means is that as long as everybody votes very little in general through this entire phase, no one has to lose anything. At the end of this agenda phase, you're going to flip three of your planets back. Now, if this comes out as the second agenda and everyone's already voted a whole bunch... And it's a Darn. disaster. And I hate when that happens. Yes. Because then that means they can't really do the against because they're only going to get three of their planets back. And they've already used all, you know, six of them or whatever. Yep. So they're going to be a half strength, basically. Right. And that sucks. But you, if you plan it right, the against can basically have no effect on anybody. Just vote, you know, one vote or even, you you know, whatever you've got on three different planets. And then that's it. That's your, that's your limit yep. for checks and balances. It's also weird that when this comes out, 
as the first agenda, you have to remember that against for uh, the rest yeah. of the phase. That's kind of a rare ability thing mm -hmm. where this isn't in play anymore because it was voted down, but then right. you still have to be like, oh, okay, only remember everybody only ready three. Yeah. That's kind of annoying. Yeah. Uh, clandestine operations is a foreign against directive for each player removes two command tokens from their command sheet and returns those to their reinforcements. You get to choose. You pick two of your command tokens. Again, yeah. each player removes one command token from their fleet pool and returns that token to their reinforcements. Um, so obviously, economically, the against is always better. But sometimes economically, the against means you're also going to destroy a bunch of ships on the board because you actually have a bunch of fleets that are at your max fleet pool. So the four goes through more often than the against because two tokens that I get to pick from is a lot easier than a fleet pool and a lot of ships or whatever. Yeah, I feel like I've experienced it the other way where most of the time people are like, well, it's only one token. Well, and it's destroyers and too, use... right? Like, oh, I'm just losing a destroyer yeah. if, it, if that's right. like, if, if I've built it, like very rarely is it I'm at three fleet pool and in like, I have three dreads there and like my flagship right. and two dreads over there. It's like, that's not as common as like, a dread, a carrier, and a destroyer. I'll just kill the destroyer. It's fine. People don't like using losing command tokens. It, it feels like yep. the most precious resource that you possibly have in the game. Right. So if you're telling me I have a choice between one or two, I'm probably taking one no matter what. Now, I feel like there's always at least, when this comes out, at least one player that's like, oh, no, can we go four? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to lose the, uh, I don't want to lose this dread over here. I yeah. really need this dread and I'm going to lose it. Right. And it's just like, nah, it's never enough people that right. want the 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 four i feel like in order for the four to go in my experience yeah uh next one is actually kind of not an agenda not a, a law because uh th this is what takes our 50 card agenda deck and actually makes it a 49 card agenda deck because sure. covert yeah, yeah. legislation is just a little gimmick that we get to do when this agenda yeah. is revealed the speaker draws the next card in the agenda deck but does not reveal it to the other players. Instead, the speaker reads the eligible outcomes allowed. For example, for and against, elect player, elect planet, etc. The other players vote for these outcomes as if they were the outcomes of this agenda without knowing their effects. So right. this just turns us into a blind, wacky thing. Now, of course, insider information exists. The Nalu can exist. That's two right. things that can just completely subvert this and kind of ruin the whole agenda. But beyond that, the speaker gets to be really coy for about five minutes, and uh, we see what happens on the other side. There's plenty right. of times, too, where the speaker's like, actually, this is a big enough deal that I have to just tell you exactly what it is, and you got to take my word for it or whatever. This is more fun in theory than I think it is in practice, maybe. Is that is that yeah. weird to say? Um, I mean, it it can be really cool. It's it's always at least intriguing, but a lot of times it doesn't really like pan out to be much of anything. And I also think it's hilarious that there are a couple yep. um, possible broken outcomes. We're about to that talk about want, one. <laughs> yeah, I just I just want to mention. Um, so there are two cards. There's Galactic Crisis Pact, which uh, for which if you got it via covert legislation, you would read out elect strategy card, and then everyone would know exactly what you're talking about. Um, the other one is called classified documents leaks or classified document leaks, which which we've already discussed, which would have the speaker saying elect scored secret objective. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone kind of knows what that is. Yeah. So yeah. I've seen that happen. That's hilarious. Um, most of the time, I think the most exciting one is for it to be an elect player. Yeah. And then everyone has to figure out 
who to give this thing to. It might be bad. It might be good. I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of fun. I will say I misspoke a little bit because I said something about insider information that actually uh, wouldn't count because you you take covert legislation and then the speaker immediately draws the next card into their hand. That's so insider true. information doesn't work. But Nalu, if they've been keeping up with things... Uh, no, they also would not get to know. So, so I'm no. sorry. I did. Yeah, yeah. I completely misspoke there. In both situations, yeah, yeah. the card immediately goes into the hand before either ability gets to proc and look at it. So all they would get to do is look at whatever the next agenda is going to be. So I, I did misspeak there. Uh, the, nobody gets to know except for the speaker what that thing is, except for the situation where it's like politics happened earlier in the round and they put covert legislation and then something else on top, which would be a pretty weird thing to do, I guess, but... Yeah, whatever. I mean, it, maybe it makes sense. I want to be the only one that knows what the covert right. you, legislation you are speaker. is. You're probably assigning yourself speaker, but if you're not in a situation where you're doing speaker shenanigans, you might avoid letting that be the case. Okay, next yeah. up is Galactic Crisis Pact, one we just mentioned, but it's elect a strategy card. Each player may perform the secondary ability of the elected strategy card without spending a command token. Command tokens placed by the ability are placed from a re a player's reinforcements instead. I see people commonly think that this is a law that's forever changing the strategy card to a thing where you don't have to spend a token. No. And, and it's it's this is the one where it's like read the card, double no, read no, the no. card. It's just a one time use of a secondary. That's all. Right. Yeah. Uh, most of the time it gets used for um, tech, so everybody can get some tech. Uh, gets used for Imperial so that everyone can do get an extra secret objective. Yep. Uh, you'll see leadership is probably the most common use of it so that everybody can get a whole bunch of tokens. Right. You have to be very careful with how you spend them, though, because you have to spend them right then. So if you spend your planets for votes in order for the Galactic Crisis Pact to go through, you can't then use that right. influence for leadership. Ah, how do we balance? We have to figure out how to cooperate, all yeah. six of us. I would say, how about this? Don't do leadership. It's boring. Yeah. Because it means the next round is going to be very, very, very long. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So how about thing, just do tech and go home? The thing that always happens when everybody gets command tokens is they all just try to stall each other out with the too many command tokens that they have. Stall, stall meta yeah. is the strangest thing ever in this game. Uh, it's worth noting that uh, tech, you do still have to spend the money on the tech. Like, unless right. you're... So so this uh, tech is a hard one to do when Jolnar's in the game because Jolnar in doing the uh, secondary gets to do the primary. Do That's the how primary, their ability yeah. is worded. So that one's a little bit ugly. Uh, I love it just being Imperial. I, I really always just push for like, can we please just do Imperial, y'all? Like we all always want secret objectives. Nobody has to spend like extra stuff. We can just make it really, yeah. really simple. Um, yeah, construction is nasty because you do have to activate the system and that's before the, ah, that's really, really that. bad. Uh, and then nobody ever that. really wants action cards. Nobody wants to do trade. And very rarely does anybody want to build it home. Although warfare should get a special mention for the same reason leadership does, right? Like we get to build with some money and then get all that money back. Like it would be a pretty good free warfare build. But the I like problem never is that see nobody warfare. ever nobody ever leaves their home system empty enough right. to be able to build enough off of this. So yeah. there's maybe there'll be like a player or two mm. that can because they have their empty home systems because they're dangerous. <laughs> um, but you know. Other people are going to be like, oh, I can't. And it's like, you kind of have to go with the stuff that everybody's always going to like, which I would say should, I personally, I always lean tech. Yeah. I'm like, I would always like more tech and I never feel like I get enough tech in a game. Yeah. So yeah, let's just do And it makes for more interesting Imperial. games, even though like yeah. I, I lean the secret objective because I'm always afraid of secret objectives, but tech, just it, speeding up tech 
is always better for every game. Yeah. It's always more interesting. Yeah. Uh, Gives you those options. Hey, guess what? We're back to, can you tell me how to get how to get to Minister Street? Except for this minister is really weird and not like any of the other ministers because it's just a directive and it's the Minister of Antiquities and you elect a player and the elect a player just gains a relic. There's no ongoing yep. a thing. Just one person that's gets all. a relic and then that's their get ongoing relic. thing and whatever. Cool. Uh, this is very similar to the one where we let someone get a secret, draw a secret. It's like everybody kind of wants it. Nobody is dying to get it, but uh, we just kind of have like a raw agenda face. We just got to actually see whose votes go the farthest. Yep. It's about as good as the relic deck, which if you listen to me is what? Two out of 13 good. Right, right. Uh, Nexus Sovereignty is a law for alpha and beta wormholes in the wormhole nexus have no effect during movement. Just the wormhole nexus though. And the against... Place a gamma wormhole token in the Mechatol Rex system. That against is way cooler than anything else that can happen. I yeah, love come on. that against. Come on. I feel like the against never happens. Yeah. I feel like it's always the four with this one for some reason. And I always want the against because the against is so interesting. Yeah. What are we going to do with that? What's going to happen? <laughs> Yummy. Let's do it. Come on. Next up is political censure. It's a elected player law that we've talked a lot about. The elected player gains this card and one victory point. The elected player cannot play action cards. If the owner of this card loses this card, they lose one victory point. So that last sentence there is really what hurts political censure in a Derp. game long sense. Repeal law can get rid of it. One of those discard laws, things can get rid of it. But beyond that, hey, it's a bonus point. You should want yep. that. Yeah, you should want it. I mean, I think you should want uh, a bonus point more than you should care about action cards generally speaking yeah. but then there's always going to be it's, it's just going to be horrifying to your mind yeah. you know what i mean right just seeing the action cards that you can't use it's just going to psychically hurt you so this is one i don't know i don't like having this one i would i would sooner take search warrant than i would take political censure for yeah. sure even though search warrant isn't even getting you a bonus point but whatever the cutest thing though about political censure is if hakan is in the game at all then you real like then the those action cards are things I can try to sell to Hakan and then Hakan can either use or try to turn yep. around in their own set. Like if Hakan is present, yep. political censure does not have a downside at all. Sure. There's no downside sure. to it. So you should just try to get it. It is kind of a downside though if I can only sell to one person. Sure. They have a lot of uh you know, let's say I have like unexpected action in my hand yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, oh I've been censured. Okay, Hakan, do you want to pay five trade goods yeah. <laughs> for unexpected action? And then Hakan's like, how about two trade goods? And you're like, I don't have any other. I don't options. have anyone else to negotiate with. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, rearmament agreement is a directive for each player places one mech from their reinforcements on a planet they control in their home system. Mm -hmm. Or the mm -hmm. against, each player replaces each of their mechs with Ugh. one infantry from their reinforcements. That against is nasty, and especially, it. it's always a conditional thing. There's always, like, two people that have all their mechs out, and this, this is super, super annoying. There's a few factions. This is one we almost could have brought up in the faction-specific thing, but it was, like, it's hard to think about exactly how many factions this impacts, but, like, Empyrean hates the against of this. Hakan might even, like, the really fancy, weird Hakans probably hate the against of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is fine. There's a lot of deploy people who don't care, right? All the deploy right. mechs are just, like, whatever, fine. I don't need to place a mech for free, and I don't care if I remove my mechs on the board because I'll just deploy yep. them again. So yep. this one can get really weird where one person is like, no, 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 and everyone else is like, yeah, but sorry, bud. <laughs> right. If I'm Barony, I'm like, oh, I don't I even have my mechs out yeah, yet. My mechs are just <laughs> hidden, ready to strike, you know? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's it's rough. Um, I would rather the four. I feel like I always get the against. Um, I'm 
personally going to ride her the against massively yeah. uh, next time this one comes up against me because I feel like I've been screwed over by this one a couple times. And me no likey. Right. Uh, we've got representative government here, which was actually a base game agenda, but it was omega It was changed. It doesn't say Omega on it, but it was eroded. Uh, because there were some broken things about it in base games. But the new way it reads, it is a law. Four players cannot exhaust planets to cast votes mm -hmm. during the agenda phase. Each player may cast one vote on each agenda instead. Players cannot cast additional votes. That's the new part. We'll get into it. Against, at the start of the next strategy phase, each player that voted against exhausts all of their cultural planets. This is the other example of that ugly thing we had earlier, where it's like, remember to do a thing later that we won't have a very symbolic way to, like, there's no good way to remember this, but you gotta re-exhaust all of your cultural planets if you go against. But that four, we added a lot of abilities in POK that are additional votes, and mm -hmm. that's what used to break representative government is like everyone only has one vote and then distinguished counselor is like the best card in the agenda phase. Right. That's no right. longer the thing. Agenda uh, representative government or what? what is it? Distinguished counselor. Sorry. Distinguished counselor is a useless card. It is literally a dead right. card. It doesn't do anything. Passes. Yep. So uh, it is just a one vote thing and that's the end of it. Um, but this one goes for pretty often because usually the, I don't know, it's it's probably 50-50 because the against can very often not hurt that many people and the they can just coalition, right? Everybody without cultural planets can just vote against and then we get away from it. Or even, you know, the you can just abstain everybody yeah. and just do the old school speaker kind of right. tricks it thing. I find what of, often happens is the four goes through because the have nots yeah. kind of all Dying together, and they're like, we don't want to have to worry yeah. about that one player with Mechatol Rex and Aaron Amir <laughs> yeah. dominating an agenda anymore. Mm -hmm. So we're just gonna we're just gonna have everybody on equal footing. Yeah. I feel like is kind of why it will end up going for maybe more yeah. more often than it goes again. Uh, this is like. also I'll just throw this in here. This is a part of my dream scenario that I want someday, which is I want representative government to be in play. I want all players to be at nine points mm -hmm. and then i want uh what is it it's not mutiny uh no i want political censure to come out right everyone's yeah. at nine yep we all only have one vote and right. we have to give someone a victory point and there's no deadly yep. plot this is all of yep. these things are part of my magic christmas land for the perfect ending to a game which is literally the six of us must pick a winner we must do wow. it we all only have one votes and so if we all vote the same we're just giving it to the speaker, so we have to coalition. I mean, I guess you could just try to play, like, earnest that way and be like, well, the speaker wins. But that's boring. Two people should vote on one other person. I just, I want to see that someday. I yeah, want to see too. the six players just vote on a winner. Yeah, and there's no way, yeah, they just have no way out. Yeah. I would just, yeah, they're just like, it's like driving them all crazy, but they're just like, <laughs> we have to do it. Like, we just there's have no to other pick way out and then this. move We're on with our winner lives. right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so wild. Yeah, I, I want to see that too, man. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay, research grant allocation is a directive. It is elect player. The elected player gains any one technology of their choice. Then for each prerequisite on that technology, they remove one token from their fleet pool and return it to the reinforcements. It's almost never worth it to do any tech with a prerequisite because going down, I mean, you definitely almost can never go down two in fleet supply. Like no one ever plans yeah, no, no, no. or has no. enough destroyers to account for that. So sometimes maybe you can like take 
a two a two tier thing, you know, some, something on that second level. I'll, I'll, I'm going to do predictive, and yes, I'll go down to fleet supply. I'll lose a destroyer or whatever. But usually, I mean, what's the most common thing you can get here? DET, if you haven't already. Anti-mass yeah. is a great one to get. Even plasma scoring, just to like, you've got like two dreadnoughts on the board. Might as well give them an extra bombardment roll. There, there's plenty of base level tech that you can research that helps your game. Yeah, totally. And, and that's really what people use it for, is just getting those base level techs. I often end up getting a tech that uh, will just help me research another tech. Like if, if I'm playing a blue faction, I might grab like, um, like a scan link yeah. just because I'm like, Oh, I'm going to maybe want to get dread two right. later right. and I don't have any yellow. So here we go. I'll just go ahead and pick up that color or whatever. Right. It, it's kind of, it's just kind of whatever. Nobody ever really loses any fleet pool in order to get it for some reason. Right. And I'm, well, I mean, the reason is that it's bad. So yeah. don't, <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah. And the last agenda we have to talk about is one we've already talked a lot about. Yes. It's Search Warrant. It's a law Lex player. The Lex player gains this card and draws two secret objectives. The owner of this card plays with their secret objectives revealed. We went to town on this one, which means, Hunter, we did it. My we God. We are done. We're done. We are done. <laughs> Two and a half hour plus. We're back, baby. Uh, you thought we weren't man. back, but we're back. I am going to force Matt out by making the show long yeah. and deep and theoretical <laughs> you know, and big time, big country. Matt is furious so, right now. No, it's fine. But what's hilarious is this. This episode took us two days to record because we tried to squeeze this one in yesterday during one of Molly's naps. And Hunter, you said to me, if this episode goes longer than an hour and a half, I will just stop talking. But then Molly woke up at about an hour 10. Right. And we had to uh, stop. And then we did it today. We did about another hour and a half. And that means it right. was just like we but had we the energy not... to do it. <laughs> exactly. We did not do over an hour and a half in a single day, Matt. That was the impl implication right. That's what you that actually I was meant. working with when I said that. <laughs> that's what i meant matt yeah i'll give you an hour and a half a day mm -hmm. my dude mm -hmm. that's what i'm saying okay well, let's let's we did it let's get out of here we literally did all the synthesis we could possibly do for agendas we have talked this into oblivion so at this point I want to thank our weird bears, Big Al Cappuccino, Anvilier, Squeamish, Emu, Brassbird, Brian, Kaluan, Dark Jutsu, Goondock, Carnal, Totally Calculating Poet, Kindred Spirit, Alice, Lord Raddington, Bagels, Emlashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky M44, Rwise, and Fancy Zeeling. And I want to thank Mama's lovely larvae. My son is also named Bort. Tautology is what it is. Frank G, Rekka, Jadine Jedi, Graxer, Uncle Batty, and Tetty's Jam for Hugh. Yeah, also I just want to say um, good luck. To, uh, I'm gonna show some favoritism right here. This is this is one of your this is one of the things you. I meant to do this for Absol as well as well, but I forgot. I just want to say good luck to Carnal this weekend in semifinals game number two. Yeah. Um, you are a weird bear, and you are also in the semis. <laughs> you get points. Yeah, Absol gets a, a posthumous uh, good luck. Uh, it just that was it was Dreamhack week, and Hunter and I were dying and couldn't literally yeah. remember the ground in front of us. So yeah. that is not because we forgot we anything forgot the besides semifinals. our own names. <laughs> yeah, we right. forgot the semifinals right. existed. Uh, right. Galactic Council uh, coming up. We've got your... Vo uh, actually, this never got posted last week. That's again, that's on me. If you'll notice, last week just sort of evaporated until semis... <laughs> semifinals game one on on uh sunday or whatever but like i just didn't exist last week so we're getting this poll up uh today or whatever or it's already up by the time you're listening to this but here are your options how to commentate twilight imperium where we bring on one or many 
commentary guests that we've had, and we all just sort of roundtable or one-on-one, or I don't know the structure of it, but we're going to talk to commentators and just go through the various ideas of what it's like to commentate TI these days. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, that this this is, I think, the most fun option of these four. Yeah. Um, the second option is we read The Veiled Masters, the third and final TI book, and we review it yep. of some kind. That is officially out now. It is out yeah. on paperback it is also out in ebook form uh i they they made it sound like they were gonna have an audiobook version of it ready right away but the others took a lot longer to get to audiobook so i i haven't looked myself to see if that audiobook is ready but they're supposed to have all formats ready to go with the veiled masters so that'll be the third and final tim pratt uh twilight imperium novel yeah um and then we have uh, a predictive episode which faction will win tournament four and why where me and matt put on our our, our psychic hats uh-huh. and we see we pierce through the veil and see into the future yeah. and finally is just th- this is the episode title and you do with it whatever you will it's called can anyone be good at twilight imperium yeah i don't know yeah, what that that's means a rhetorical yet question. We'll, we'll just figure that out uh, now brewers. I know what it means. Yeah. I know you can be good at TI, <laughs> and I feel like w- this episode is just about asking this this question, yeah. just to slam down on the haters. Right. Basically, right. we just want to slam down on haters. Uh, Homebrewers Guild. I said that hopefully, uh, really soon, we're doing that uh, episode or that that stream. Uh, it'll be during the week of the 20th or so. We'll start scheduling it. I'm just trying to get through my baby daughter's second birthday, okay, this weekend. Everyone say happy birthday, Molly, and T.I. Happy General. birthday, Molly. Happy birthday, Molly. I'm busy this week. Go away. But next week, maybe we can play with a ninth strategy card that reveals more public objectives and see how that feels. Uh, yeah. You can also rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to it. And you can find our website, Space Cats, Peace Turtles. Dot com for more information about our Patreon so that you can contribute to the show and vote on these polls and p- do Homebrewers Guild stuff and get a Weird Bear jersey and be congratulated or cheered on in the tournament. If you are a Weird Bear and in the semifinals, we go, yeah, you're our favorite, actually. Ha 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 ha. Uh, you can also find our Twitter and our Discord and our merch and all of that on that website. Yeah. Um, and then uh, for a Play of the Week, Matt, we've got one more segment oh here. Oh, God. Um, Why did we the include play of the of week? <laughs> the Play of the Week is... To just go watch the semifinal game three from the 2021 uh-huh. SCPT tournament because that has some funny uh, agenda stuff in yeah. it. Go watch so the just last... Watch all of... What? No, 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 no. no. Just yeah. all of it. Just go watch just all of go game Go watch three. the whole thing. Great. Expecting something cool to happen in the agendas. Great. Just go do that. It's it's on our YouTube. It's from last year. Uh, game three yep. of the semifinals, yep. 2021. Check it out. There it funny. is. And you can Agendas. send us... It's relevant. It's relevant. Yeah. And you can send us this Imperium Life Stories of your own at spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. That's it. We did it. Two hours and 50 minutes on the recording. Who knows how long the edit is. But we're getting out of here. I love you. I love your hair. And I hope you win. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>